come up with a pretty good weed joke recently. Uh, watching television is great when you're as high as a hot air baboon. I mean, a hot bear bassoon. Oh gosh, I'm so ripped on doobies. 48 minutes of dog barking. 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 Growl. Growl. 48 minutes of dog barking. 48 minutes of dog barking. Congratulations! It's Facebook official. You and D are now a thing. Yeah, it's 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 most certainly a thing. It's very fun <laughs> and awesome and exciting. That's exciting, man. That's oh, great. She's fucking wonderful. I have no idea why she wants to spend time with me, but you know what? Ain't going. I was gonna say, I don't. <laughs> so the hairline's not getting any better. Nope. <laughs> I was just talking with uh, with my wife. My wife. A minute ago, wow. and and uh, we were like, oh yeah, we we dated for like five years before we got married, and that was seventeen years ago. And I'm doing the math. I'm like, yeah, I've spent most of my life with this woman. Very similar. I'm like, what does she see in me? You know what? Not my problem. <laughs> you know what? That's on them. Yep. Uh, not my. You know. Not uh, my concern. For sure. And, uh, <laughs> just, just let it be. Start pulling at that thread, and that's not going to be a good time. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Don't really. Nope. Don't don't overthink it. Nope. Just keep just keep going <laughs> forward. Don't look behind. Nope. But yeah, no, it was a good holiday yeah. weekend. We didn't get the the snow apocalypse that everyone else got. We just got like. True. Yeah. enough snow to make things gross and annoying <laughs> which is my and then it was really cold it was like right. in the single digits i think there was a God, wind chill yeah like negative 20 or negative Oof. 30 thursday night into yeah. friday morning yeah and like friday i didn't really go outside at all i went out one time to take trash out to the dumpster at my apartment and was like oh this is just really fucking cold i was like wearing a under armor like sh- uh shell layer and all that which is pretty thick you know it's a base layer jacket and like wearing pants, whatever. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm not even outside for a minute. And I'm like, oh, this is just cold. And then like the wind hit. Woo! And it's the the difference of how cold it was, was not that like, oh, it's cold. I can feel my clothes being cold. It's like, no, the clothes have done nothing. And now my skin is getting cold. Eesh. Like it just went right through to the bone. And I'm like this, I'm going back inside. I'm not going out for the rest of the day. Yeah. Uh, you, you had a, you had a, a nice holiday. It was a good, it was a good time. Did. Yeah. Uh, fucking Fucking friend of the show, Danny. Hey. Uh, he got me good. He yeah? got me good uh, Christmas Oh, that's Eve. right. Yeah, you were telling me this. Okay. We're doing gifts at our mutual friend's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're all just up in the upstairs living room. I'm on the couch. Dee's on the couch. And we're wearing these weird, like, Christmas dresses that <laughs> our, one of our friends got us. Like, cool. We have matching stuff. And it's like, it's just like, I'm wearing, like, a Christmas dress i there's no other way to describe yeah. it. it is a big puffy ass dress it wasn't like a romper it was no like it was okay. i think it was supposed to just be like kind of like a, a, a like a jacket okay but end up being more like kind of a gown for like right. old timey people Very but like long. whatever yeah but it was like fucking warm whatever like we're on the couch everyone else is like at the table or whatever and danny's dispersing the gifts and all that and before everyone really starts opening up anything he like also goes oh wait he grabs his cell phone and he starts recording. And he brings out these three boxes out of a bag. Uh, one's a big box. There's a medium-sized box. And there's a small box. And he's like, "This is per- you know, this is perfect." And he hands them the D, and he's like, 
the hand hand one to Brian. And she starts out with the big one, and I start the taking. He goes, "Do you refuse this?" And I go, <laughs> "Okay, uh, <laughs> I, I refuse this one. I don't know what the fuck's going." And I thought, like, I didn't know this was being played on me. I thought if I refuse it, it would go to someone else. Like, yeah, this was like a gag thing, and which it was, but I didn't understand what kind of gag. And then he's like, "Well, ham another one." Okay, I take it. It's like the medium one. He's like, uh, "Do you refuse this?" I go, "I guess not." So I open it up, and it is a sticker that is a nutritional label for one load. <laughs> you go, okay, don't really get it. Oh, I got it. So, oh no. So, D hands me the smallest one, and I open it, and it's another nutritional label. Just hap- happens to be smaller than the previous one. <laughs> And he's like, do you refuse this? I go, no. <laughs> and then it goes back to the big one, which is like a door size <laughs> sticker no. of a nutritional label for one load. And he's like, do you refuse this? And I go, oh, no, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Oh, no, you got you got no loads refused. <laughs> no loads refused. Up event. <laughs> <laughs> son of a bitch. He got yeah, me. Yeah. Wow. Oh boy. And I don't. I don't get got that easily. But I was yeah. like, I couldn't. I just didn't understand. Cause yeah. Danny's a very funny person. Don't get me wrong. But it's dry. <laughs> he's he, he's a little bit more of a flourishing kind of humorous person. It was I was not expecting. Yeah. Something very dry. Yeah. And direct and kind of. It wasn't <laughs> until I was in too deep that I realized I was getting paused up. <laughs> Oh, they're uh, they're pausing your neg hole over there. On, on, yeah, don't on... fit your toothbrush. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so that was that was my Christmas. That's Eve. a hell of a Christmas. That Eve. was yeah. that was just Jeez. to start off. And oh, boy, uh, yeah, how was your Christmas? Oh, it was great. You know, spent a lot of time with the family. We uh, we we did uh, my in laws on on Christmas Day. We did my 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 mom's side of the family on. Uh, christmas day as well so two christmases in one day and then we did monday i had to work and then i did let's see it was yes it must have been yesterday it was last night we did we went out to the other side of my wife's family and did a place called edison's never been there it's essentially like a dave and busters type of deal where you know it's it's arcade games it's you know yeah. little cards and whatnot oh we, you can play uh, arcade games and so get the cards and you start playing the arcade games and then you realize the the unlimited play cards don't actually earn tickets so the thousand tickets that i got from the space invaders machine nothing i mean i get it but they should probably let you know up front yeah it was in fine print on like the back of the card. that's bullshit i feel like i feel like if i knew up front that like, hey, you're just kind of doing this for shits and giggles and for the the fun of it. Because I'm thinking like, yeah, I got the high score on because I did, I got the high score on Space Invaders, but like, yeah. But uh, uh, I oh would well. be very frustrated if I was in your position. Yeah, yeah, they should probably make that a little bit more obvious because you would think because the people who work there aren't getting paid enough to have someone be no. like, I got fucking bamboozled. Yeah, I got hoodwinked. I got hoodwinked. <laughs> I'm calling the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> I'm going to jail over these tickets. I don't care. You know? <laughs> it's just fighting people. Yeah, yeah. That, that sounds that sounds like a decent enough holiday. It's still a good time. Because of all that that celebration stuff, I was a little late delivering the episode, so apologies to our loyal listeners who may have been hanging out on Wednesday morning going, 
refreshing everything going, where the hell is it? D actually texted me today. Ah. I was like, where's the new episode? Ah, see? Where's, where, I felt like I was, it was, I was the mailman, but I was like, where's my damn spy camera? <laughs> right. Where, where is it? Well, to D and all the loyal listeners, we apologize for the delay. That was entirely on me. Uh, I especially planned on doing it last night, got home from Edison's and put on a What We Do in the Shadows and fell asleep and was on the couch until six in the morning when it was time to go to work. So it was very, <laughs> it was Powerful. relaxing, I guess. Powerful yeah, move. Was, <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Just incredible peak, technique. Peak human performance. <laughs> <laughs> Fall asleep to TV. Yeah. Wake up just... with like, wake up with the, the dog licking your beer. I know you don't have a dog, but a dog yeah, appears yeah, yeah. in this situation. Sure. Lick the beer can out of your hand. And no, I had, I had one Bud Light and then I was like, oh, wait. This is an open bar, and I also have to drive from Edwardsville. Nah, I'm going. To, I'm going to Diet Coke, and and I did well. Diet Pepsi, ugh. but I did, and that. But I still, I got home. I went, okay, kids, go to bed. The uh, dulcet tones of Matt Berry singing me to sleep, apparently. So I got an older man. I realized just what a uh, a bear trap that open bar is. Mm-hmm. My job's a uh, Christmas party. I was watching no. some of the guys in the shop. Yeah, Just get a little, get a little housed. And I mean, like you know, no one was like embarrassing themselves or anything. It's just like no. they're loose. Yeah, <laughs> like and that's fine. Sure, it is totally fine. Like you know, but like there was stories about like you know people were like, oh, I, I heard you were there, Brian, but I didn't really see you. You weren't one of the guys that shut down the shut down the bar, were Ooh, you? Boy, I was like, no. He's like, yeah, because when there was uh, some of the guys from the shop at last call went out, you know, from the party room and went out to the bar and then made sure to order some more shots, and I'm like. I wish I had that life, but yeah. like I got too much shit going on. <laughs> you got things you want to do for man. for yeah. free. I can't get that fucked up at a Christmas party that's being held on a Tuesday. Yeah, no, and like <clears throat> the only reason I have beers when we record is because today's my Friday. Like tomorrow, I don't gotta go work. That's the only reason I'm I'm currently double fisting. So <laughs> yeah, you got two different ends of the spectrum. You got. Nice winter black lager from our friends over at Urban Chestnut. And you've also got like the... Uh, Miller Light. The Miller Light. You know what? Uh, black and tan sounds good right about now, actually. That's not a bad idea. Welcome oh, to the show, everybody. 48 minutes of dogs it barking. Is. It is. Just we're here like... to tell you about things we remembered from when we were younger. And then also things that aren't great. And sometimes they're <laughs> funny from the present times of today. Indeed we are. Uh, I'm Jason. This is Brian alongside Hello. for the ride with me. I'm trying to think of a good, another good uh, analogy. The, Does it uh, smell too much like laundry detergent? <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, boo boo to my yogi, if you will. Hey, uh, so what's happening on the internet this week, Brian? Well, this is breaking news. We get to break this, this one. Is, this is one of the funniest things Ooh. I've seen on the internet in a long time. So we're referring to Andrew Tate. Now, we briefly touched on him right when the show started, a couple a couple months back. And it was about, you know, he was just being obnoxious. Well, this time, he got himself in some real hot water because he picked a fight on the internet. Just, just in general. So... Andrew Tate, for those of you who don't know, he's uh, he believes himself to be some sort of kung fu master. He's a, a men's rights guy. He's kind of just an all-around general shithead. His uh, ad is at Cobra Tate, which I always thought was like, are you doing a Cobra Kai thing? I don't know what's going on here. He posts the other day. Actually, he posted this, yeah, the 27th of December. Hello at Greta Thunberg. Now, Greta Thunberg, the climate change activist. I have 33 cars. 
My Bugatti is a W16 8-liter quad turbo. My two, all caps, Ferrari 8112 Competizione have 6.5 V12s. This is just the start. Please provide your email address so I can send a complete list of my car collection and their responsive enormous emissions. I don't know what he was trying to prove here. It's a weird flex. It's also a weird flex. Also, those are just like really like classless expensive cars. Well, yeah, like, I mean, I mean, a Bugatti, that's, I mean, really? Ace Hood's song "I Woke Up in a New Bugatti" was like ten years ago, bro. I, um, <laughs> I mean, the only thing that could be sadder is if he was a if he was bragging about having a Maserati. Like every single guy that looks like Andrew Tate in town country and lives with his mom. <laughs> And dad, who are like doctors at like WashU or something, all have a fucking Maserati. Every right. single dude looks like Andrew Tate in St. Louis, lives in West County, lives with their parents, right. and drives a car that has like a Plymouth neon engine in it and it costs $125,000. So he posts that. The response from Greta Thunberg, of course, she responds, yes, please do enlighten me. Email me at smalldickenergy at getalife.com. Now... For a 19-year-old, that's some pretty solid. It's pretty clap good, back. and it's I don't un- like I don't like her blasting my uh, my burner email like that. <laughs> don't dox Brian, please. So yes, uh, so she responds it's with pretty that. solid burn, very yeah. respectable, yeah, and it's quality. Andrew Tate decides that the way to handle this, getting dunked on by Greta Thunberg, is to post a two-minute-long video to his Twitter of him in what appears to be a Hugh Hefner robe. Lighting a stogie. I believe it's Versace. I know it's oh, Gucci. Okay. Well, shirtless uh, underneath, uh, showing off his tattoos, puffing on a cigar. Now, that's idiotic in and of itself. But he's taking the joke like, oh, I'm very surprised that you would let us know that you have a small penis, Greta. Which is, uh, whatever. It's, it's, it's all the macho guy shit. But where it gets interesting is about midway through the video. I'm not going to play the whole thing here, but uh, midway through the video... Somebody brings in a pizza. And that pizza, okay, is mm-hmm. a pla- is from a place in Romania. It is because he made this video that the uh, Romanian authorities knew where he was and were able to then arrest him. What was he arrested for, you might ask? Accusations of human trafficking. Uh, rape, prostitution. Right. Uh, um, some shit related to coercion, I'm, I'm sure. Just like a whole laundry list of stuff that says this guy is human fucking trash. And we kind of all... I was going to say, we kind of knew that, but... We yeah. kind of knew that, and these allegations have been, are not fresh for Andrew Tate, but I think this is the uh, first time anything's really come of it in a while. Right. Um, so I'm sure this investigation is going to be really fucking entertaining and funny and sad. Because I believe, like, Romania and, like, Ukraine, last time I checked, are, like, one of the, two of the biggest countries as far as, like, human trafficking goes. Right. In and out or within. It's pretty disgusting. I mean, you couldn't even go to, like, somewhere weird that for human trafficking, <laughs> right. like, North Korea. Like, you know, yeah. like, are you even really that much of a pimp if you can't, if, like... <laughs> He couldn't even go to the one of the tough countries for human trafficking. That's an interesting take. I don't know that I would have had that I'm like, I have less respect you for him. He like, went for to it, one homie. of the easiest places in the world to be a shithead, like, fucking manosphere guy. It is nice to say on Romania TV him getting perp walked. Uh, it's, it's funny. I've just had it on loop for a while. Just kind of it's watch. Just, it's, it gives me a lot of pleasure. I don't know. I'm waiting for Brisk God to put something <laughs> over it. 
So another thing that was happening on the internet is the 64-team single elimination beer bracket. Now so for 64 ounces of beer? No, well, yeah, but no. This is uh, so. This is a list uh-huh. of the loggers around the world. We've got uh, currently, as it stands, head-to-head right now is Modelo and PBR, right? Mm-hmm. And then High Life and Miller Lite. Now, because you can see a Miller Lite can directly in front of me, you may think you know my answer on this one. I gotta say, High Life is better, but it does not come in sixteen ounce cans. So, anymore, slight uh, slight edge to Miller Lite in this instance. Imagine, imagine what this podcast would be like if we were slamming thirty twos. Woo wee! Yeah, <laughs> there'd be a lot more, a lot more things dead air. that Yogi Bear would be saying <laughs> that Yogi Bear would be regretting. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> But, it, but here's what's here's what's crazy, right? So this bracket, like I said, started out at 60, 64 teams, right? So you had Modelo, you had, I mean, Voodoo Ranger was in there, which I think should be disqualified because that's an IPA, but whatever. Yeah, like, I think that was probably just like a filling up a space thing. But like putting that up against Mick Ultra and Nat- Natty Light and Old Style and Corona, like that that's not even in the same league, much less the same sport. Like just yeah. a, a Shinerbach even. Like those, like put those in their own bracket. Like that's a whole nother. Uh, but yeah, like Youngling. Uh, see, Red Dog, that's another one. Red Dog? I haven't had Red Dog in like 10 years. Well, they don't carry it around here. But like, okay, Blue Moon. See, same thing. It's like. Do you remember the uh, Red Dog sticker on the. <laughs> At, at Minuteman, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy. Um, You'll never forget your first red dog. You will not. Okay, so here's one matchup that happened way early on: Steel Reserve versus Kona Big Wave. Well, of course, Kona Big Wave is going to win over Steel Reserve. Steel Reserve is a Steel beer of last a, resort. Steel, Re- <laughs> Steel Reserve says the cops got to get called on me quick. <laughs> Steel Reserve is like Steel Reserve barely... is what you drink when you show up to the party. And you know, like it's going to get broken up within the hour. Right. You need to get hammered, and you need to get hammered fast. Yeah. That's what Steel Reserve is for. But like, okay, Miller Lite up against Strohs. How do you pick Miller Lite over Strohs? I mean, mm. just I'm just going to be honest with you, like. Heineken Old English. Of course you're going to choose Heineken. Of course you're going to choose Heineken. Who wouldn't? I mean, some of depends. these matchups are ridiculous. So I don't know um, if this what what the irony level. <laughs> yeah, that's true. How, <laughs> on this, because there there's some people I know that would drink Old E before uh, you know a Heineken, but that's because like their parents pay for their apartment. Yeah, well, I think part of it is is just like. It's it's Twitter polls. Sure. So that's how these. I'm are using. Decided, I'm using. So. Elon Musk is so angry that Twitter bots are rigging the beer the poll. <laughs> team beer elimination. So that uh, this, by the way, is from a uh, a Dan Crenshaw parody account called at uh, Optometrist Dan, <laughs> who, who has put this together. Yeah, I just thought it was uh, interesting. Like, uh, uh, please feel free to to shoot us an email. Forty eight minutes dogs barking at gmail let us know what your favorite cheap and or good beer is. I guess I'm just I'm just really impressed they put Red Dog in there. It it, it does seem like a real underdog pick. That does add some credibility to the poll that you Think like. So. We're thinking about like Red Dog. Yeah, because Amberbach like, on there because Amberbach is the Red Dog guy's idea yeah. of a fancy beer. I think they did. I think they had Killian's on there too. So there was some, yeah, there was some. So good, like some that's good that's like dudes that like still dudes in college <laughs> trying to rush for a f- for a frat. Yeah, but couldn't get in because they still like ironed their jeans. <laughs> it's like like 
I feel like really reading part of that poll or looking at the those brackets, I could like rotate a 3D ice house clock in my mind. I'm doing it now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just sit there and go, yeah, 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 yeah. There it is. Just I got the Colt 45 you... Billy D. Williams clock from TikTok Tavern just slowly going around in a circle. <laughs> the three... <laughs> For, forget 3D rotating uh, a cube, yeah, a cube, cube or a potato. Yeah. Nah. It's all about old beer ephemera. 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 There we go. Well, I know Elon doesn't like I don't know. That was, that was my awkward ham-handed Elon transition. Speaking of transition, Grimes, Grimes. So he posted something. I I think this was supposed to be in response to something else, but it just was just him posting, and it's just him saying, "I'm not cis, you are." <laughs> so one of my favorite, uh, my, my favorite shit posters on Twitter at Juniper posts that and then puts the trans flag as an overlay on it, and so <laughs> maybe he thought it was like cis as like sissy. Maybe. I, I, there are a lot of TERFs that think cis itself is like a slur. Yeah. They also think TERF is a slur, too, so that's a whole nother. Yeah, um, obviously, for those of you who are not up on things, TERFs is a trans-exclusionary reactionary feminist, and cis meaning cisgender, meaning the gender you were born as is the one that you identify as. So, Elon, are you going to try and tell us something, buddy? You know, are you... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not cis, you are... I don't know why I'm Australian. Six, six I months on on hormones. Yeah, well, that would How explain a lot. <laughs> that would explain a lot. Got to be honest. Uh man, it's it's really weird because we keep going back to this Elon Musk. Well, <sighs> I know. Um, it's just kind of the point where it's it's like the reason why I stopped posting on something awful. Where it's like it's not really. <laughs> It's, it's a train fair. wreck. It's, yeah. it's a train wreck, and it's funny, but like I need to find other things to do. Like you only have one life, and this guy is going to keep destroying himself and everything around him that he touches, right? With or without my observation, I I don't need any reassurance. The cis joke led me to find this one. It was a great post that that someone posted. I can't even remember where it came from, but it was just someone tweeting misgendered exclamation point by the bi girl straight boyfriend at the queer hangout. To which I responded with, these band names are getting ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. I liked their first record yeah. on Sale Creek. <laughs> I saw them at Creepy Crawl in 97. They were great. Yeah. So <laughs> I saw them open up for Urge Overkill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, these, these Lemonhead side projects are getting weird. Ridiculous. Evan Dando. Call me dog. Another weird thing on Twitter. At Don, McKen- Don E. McKenzie. Posts, this is seriously what's wrong with this country. This receipt was in the shopping cart at Costco, and this person just spent $613 on shrimp, lamb, and pork belly, New York steaks, and lobster tails on an EBT card, and has $1,800 left on the EBT card. Well, you know, the usual suspects came out and all that, but... As it turns out, Dawn herself was the recipient of government largesse to the tune of $3 million in a PPP loan, which was, of course, forgiven. So that's part one. And part two is that later we found that the person using that EBT card for $600 worth of fancy food was Dawn herself, based on an Instagram post with those exact items having been cooked and placed out. So that's fantastic. You not fucking only, me. no, not only did this person rage bait to try to get to be some sort of, I don't know, right wing celebrity of the next ten seconds, but it turns out it was them doing it. 
on top of the three million PPP loan that was then forgiven. So who are these people? You know, I used to work at Dollar General. I lasted yeah. there about a month. Uh, it was one of the worst jobs I ever had. Mm. You know, we would have a lot of people come in and buy stuff with food stamps with EBT, and I could see how much someone had left on their EBT card right when the transaction was finalizing right. And I was, yeah, you know what? There were times I was really surprised at how much someone had on their EBT balance. Right. But what worried me the most was not that, like, this person had this government assistance. Right. My main question is, the fuck are you doing at a fucking Dollar General? Trying to stress that money, man. I can tell you there's nothing of nutritional value. Even if you're struggling, you were probably better eating sand than shopping at Dollar General. (laughs) And the way that Dollar General... Pray, dollar General, Family Dollar, prey on poor and disadvantaged people in this country. That is a whole other aside. You can yeah, go yeah. Google it. Um, yeah, like they're pretty much a a force for evil, in my opinion. Someone who worked there for thirty one days. Which, if that's all it takes to learn, you know, to to get that impression, yeah. boy. Uh, yeah, fuck Dollar General. Yeah. Uh, dollar General. All my homies hate Dollar General. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But but that was my thing. Was like, dude, there's like two lights down. Mm. There's a shop and save. I worked at Whole Foods. Oh, yeah. People came in with EBT, and I was like, they're kind of, okay. I get it. I feel you. It's a little weird that you're out in the middle of, like, fucking town country. Right. But, I mean, also, we would sometimes also have to, like, help prostitutes whose johns just, like, dropped them in the parking lot and shit. So, like, it was a weird job. <sighs> yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Uh, Yeah. Also, I mean, I was, like, also, like was in town country which is a fucking ring of hell as far there's, as i'm concerned that, yeah trying not to get hit by people in high-end luxury <laughs> audis that just wanted to fucking blast all the stop signs in the parking lot like trying to get to the employee parking lot on the side of the building actually knew a guy that got hit and apparently got hit so hard that his f- shoes flew into the fucking field jesus christ yeah and it was all because whole foods mandated a smoke you had to be so many feet away from the building the, on the smoke smoking, break yeah you gonna tell a line cook he can't smoke, right? <laughs> you it's like telling like, a man he can't breathe. For God's sake! God yeah. damn! You trying to take away this man's humanity? <laughs> He's got one thing left, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, like you know, the, the government took his kids, and he's got you know he's late. He's late on like three car payments, and God, he he owes so many girl ex girlfriends money. <laughs> he's got at least five different. Loans. He's down to his last five American spirits. Yep. And you're going to tell him that he's got to go into the parking lot to blast one. You kidding me with this? (laughs) Come on. Have some mercy on the working man, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, life's just hard out there for dudes with forearm tattoos. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Of like a radish or something. (laughs) Why is it it a thing with It's like a kitchen guy thing. Like You got to have like a fucking tattoo. I know some guys have like the two knives crossed and then it's like a garlic in there that looks like a skull. I've seen that one. That was... That was such a weird tattoo trend like 10 years ago. It was like the person that's like, yeah, I uh, I shop at Whole Foods, so I've got like a tattoo of like my favorite type of spatula. Or like, what if Bing Crosby was holding like a beautiful piece of garlic? <laughs> and you're just like, I don't... I'm not, look, I don't I, my, I don't my wife that. is obsessed with garlic, so I mean, I, mean, I, I can love garlic. see her getting it, but I also am like, this is not... I'm not putting this on me forever. It's I mean, gotta... I love I love garlic. I like cooking with garlic. Garlic is definitely a top tier ingredient to me. Yeah, I just just don't want to have like a tattoo of it. Yeah, it seems a little excessive. Speaking of excessive, it's time for the crypto scam of the week, Brian. 
You're listening to 48 Minutes of Dogs Barking, the podcast. And now it's time for the Crypto Scam of the Week. Ooh, what we got? What we got? Well, see, now this is a rare instance where we can actually give you the heads up on a scam that's incoming. This is not something that's already <laughs> happened. This is something that is going to happen. And it involves a something awful uh, adjacent person. Formerly, formerly. something um, possibly formerly alive. Yeah, we person. don't really know. Uh, the long and short of it is there's a, a, a person by the name Schmorky. Schmorky was a artist working mostly in either web comics, which are still up at uh, butthug and uh, schmorky.com. You can still see some of their their old web comics. But Schmorky probably is most well known to the folks and something awful for two things. One was the Flash Tub, where they would mm-hmm. take various things that, that, that the Something Awful community had created and animate it and put it to a video. And yeah, and sometimes the Flash Tub was also things found on like, you know, Yahoo Answers and yep, stuff like which that. Which is the How Is Babby Formed uh, video, yes. the classic. How is Babby Formed? How is Babby Formed? How girl get pregnant? They need to do Wayne's stain mother. Uh, and uh, things like uh, Lauren's story time, which was Rich Rich Lotex Kianka's daughter, telling a rambling story as children do, and then Schmorky animating that mm-hmm. story. Things like that would wind up in the flash tub. Well, Schmorky was also a very strange person. Incredibly strange. Incredibly strange person. And Schmorky, the other thing that you may know them from, was a YouTube series called... Gaming Garbage? Gaming Garbage. Thank you. I was about to say Garbage Day, but I know that's I knew that was wrong. No. The big reason why Rich Lotex Kianka quit doing Gaming Garbage was because Schmorky was becoming an insufferable weirdo more than they already were. <laughs> Which is tough. <laughs> it is. It has to be tough. For for Lotex to give up on you for after, being an annoying piece of shit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he himself seems it to takes... have surrounded himself by quite a few of those. Right. And I was reminded of them when I saw this post this week by a Twitter user at SchmorkyNFT. <laughs> Dropping soon, Schmorky the Lost Collection is a set of digital collectibles compiled from lost and unreleased works by the departed artist Schmorky. But how and why did this collection come to exist? Schmorky, as they are known, was a web artist who began sharing their works in the early 2000s. This is coming directly from the Schmorky NFT thing here. Associated mostly with something awful forums, they helped pioneer early Flash animations with the Flash Tub series. Around 2017, Schmorky abruptly ceased making art following allegations he had in an inappropriate relationship with an online fan. They'd reportedly been hospitalized after what some speculate was a suicide attempt. Others have reported that Schmorky is, in fact, deceased. As such, there has been no new art from Schmorky until now. A long-ago commissioner of Schmorky has come forward with a trove of artwork they paid for nearly 20 years ago. Many of these pieces have never before seen the light of day. As detailed in their own autobiographical comic, Schmorky was fleeing an abusive home life at the time and took refuge with a roommate. Schmorky, being destitute and unable to make rent, relied on his roommate's mother to cover rent in exchange for commissioned artworks. His commissioner, Dr. J, was an author, consultant, and entrepreneur who was in need of an illustrator for various projects. These works saw very little visibility and some not at all until now. They rested quietly in digital archives for nearly two decades. 
Now, these works and their copyrights are made available by Dr. J for collectors. It is our pleasure to bring you these pieces from a renowned artist, etc., etc., etc. So, the, the long and short of it is that this person, whoever they are, is using what little goodwill Schmorky would have had left to hawk NFTs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's just a lot about this that's weird and fucky. First of all, yeah, you have the controversy surrounding the the creator of this artwork. Right. I gotta say, the website's pretty sh- pretty slick. Schmorky art. SchmorkyNFT.com. It's not. It is not the worst NFT website I've ever seen by uh, any means. But um, the thing that gets me is that you will then, oh, if you buy the NFT, you then own the copyright to the image, which is really. I would love to see whatever contract or paperwork was done up between the solicitor of this artwork and Schmorky um, themselves. One of the things I had to do as a photographer was fight for my yeah. my copyright. Yeah. More than I ever really should have fucking done it. And like actually like getting disrespected and being told I was a fucking loudmouth and a fucking whiner mm-hmm. about protecting my copyright. So even if it was like a work for hire mm-hmm. I mean usually we're reselling for- that work is a nebulous thing with with regards to copyright. When you do a work, and that work is paid for by someone, in this case they refer to that person as the commissioner, mm-hmm. that commissioner, to my knowledge, does not necessarily have the right to sign away that work to someone else. Right. It may have been, like you said, we don't know what the contract was like, we don't know what you know what the commission deal was. It may be that they have this right. But even then, it's still weird. So one of the... One of the things that has constantly been thrown around is that there is a alt-right slash fascist cartoonist who called themselves Stone Toss. Yep. Stone Toss is a fascist. Let's not just let's just not mince words there. But there's always been a bit of a gag that Stone Toss's artwork is eerily reminiscent of Schmorky. So, I always thought Stone Toss was Schmorky. Right. Like, I still kind of actually believe that right now. Well, even th- if we have evidence to the contrary. Well, again, this is it could be kayfabe. Who knows? So, in November of twenty one, November of twenty twenty one, I should say, Stone Toss posts Schmorky. I know you're a lie out there. I want you to hit me up for an NFT collab. You will be paid thousands of dollars. This is a guarantee. This tweet is not a joke. I am being absolutely serious. Well, a year later, here we have the Schmorky NFT collection. Stone Toss has not posted again about this again, but I wonder, you know, uh, there's that. You know, there's just there's some similarities in art styles. Obviously, uh, Stone Toss is not doing as much furry art. <laughs> there's a great documentary about schmorky by a guy called the grease wizard great name yeah so on youtube the grease wizard it's called schmorky truly something abhorrent and they go through uh the schmorky saga there i just i can't get my head around it. i have this vibe i have this feeling that this is just like stone toss or somebody like him who's just preying on this like what like i said what little goodwill we might have about schmorky yeah. To make a quick buck, which is just kind of shitty. Yeah, there's this, uh, it's like, oh, wow, another, I, I didn't know there was an NFT project out there that could make me feel worse about NFTs. And yet, and, then... <laughs> and yet here we are. Yeah, it's a, 
I find myself making that mo- noise a lot lately, just thinking about things and just... Yeah, life's... It's not getting any better, is No, it, it really isn't. Have you thought about... Um, have you thought about drinking more? Yes. Have you thought about... Um, <laughs> Constantly. Have you thought about going to the golf course? I have thought about going to the golf course, but, you know, with a gas can, but that's a whole nother... No, uh, no, you have to go to the golf, <laughs> golf course and you have to harass people. I was just and you have to say you down. have to say you have to complain very loudly about how you jaguars in the shop, and that your Thai wife <laughs> is a, she won't stop nagging <laughs> about bringing your mother-in-law to the mainland, oh, no. and you have to be speaking first of all in an Australian accent very loudly <laughs> about your tiny Thai wife and her and her nagging mom. It seems like very specific. It seems like someone that we both know, maybe. You'll never know, Jason. <laughs> I'm taking this one to the grave. My Thai wife, her terrible mother, living in my 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 little condo out in Maryland Heights by the, the highway. The more details you add, the less the, the less I believe. My Jaguar. You. <laughs> it's always in the shop. It was such a poor choice. I can't believe I spent all my retirement money on this Jaguar. And then my Thai wife is bringing over her mother-in-law who thinks I'm a rube. And she hits me with things. She hits me so hard for such a little tiny lady with arthritis. Just beats the shit out of me. And I feel like I'm no longer a man in the eyes of my wife. My tiny Thai wife. Who makes fun of all of my hot sauces in the fridge. She says... Why can't you just find one hot sauce and yep. stick to it? Yeah. Uh, and I say, you sound like your mother. And she says, <laughs> you can sleep on the couch tonight. And I go, yes, dear. My tiny Thai wife, which whom I live a lie. And my broke ass Jaguar. <laughs> Anyways, watch me hit this dinger. <laughs> <laughs> my little Thai wife. My little t- uh, making fun of my, my Dick Dale commemorative <laughs> plates. He's still alive, isn't he? No, he's dead as shit. Oh, no. Oh, sorry. Oh, baby. That's the 48 minutes of dogs barking riff of the week. Well, speaking of good for me, this is the only transition I had available in my brain. <laughs> I, uh, I wanted to bring uh, us here for a very special episode of the show. For those of you who uh, are living under a rock, 2022 is almost over, and we're going to give you an extended breath mint, basically. Best of 2022. Let's let's go ahead straight off the bat. Brian, now I've g- broken up my best of 2022 into a bunch of categories. I think I mentioned this to you earlier. We're talking about some games, some books, some comics, TV shows, movies, and records. Uh, any particular place you want to start? Let's start with video games because yeah. we're both virgins, <laughs> despite you having two children. I was going to say. <laughs> how, how does a virgin have two children, you say? Very carefully. What's high on your list this year? What do you What do you think? You know, there wasn't a lot that came out this year that really blew my skirt up, as it were. Mm. But I would have to say, probably number one. I don't think it's going to be surprising to anyone that someone might pick this as number one. But Elden Ring, Elden Ring, Eldo Ringo. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it in a way I didn't think I would. I actually. When I heard about Elden Ring, when I started reading like the first reviews, I didn't. I was like, I don't know if this is for me. Maybe I'm kind of burnt out on this formula. And then people started posting on Twitter about it, and I was like, Oh, 
Oh, oh, okay. I think this is my fucking jam. Yeah. And yeah, I spent a lot of time playing it. I was really impressed with the depth mm. and all of the little things that aren't superly overly implied to you that you kind of get have to discover or use walkthroughs on the internet. If yeah. you're like, I only have so many hours I want to dedicate to this, but I also want to feel like I'm exploring. Felt like it was a very complete and compelling package with lots of different ways in which you could approach different situations. You could be the fucking hard ass that wanted everything <laughs> to be on extra hard mode, or you could be the person that felt clever because you found all the interesting ways to cheese bosses. Yes, and, that was me, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, Mimic Tear. Oh, just yeah, all dude, the way. yeah, shreds everything. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um, I had a lot of fun. I think maybe next year I'll go back and do a second playthrough and see how that goes like because i did like a bleed build and a stealth bleed build which was a lot of fun oh yeah and i might go back and do like a magic build like arcane or something mm -hmm. and see how There's that a goes. lot of great magic options in elden ring probably more so than any dark souls game probably since dark souls 2 and just as far as like variety the number of different types of things you can get because they added the dragon stuff so now there's dragon stuff was fun oh there's there's it, you can inflict incredible status elements on every enemy including bosses it's just yeah, the dragon's breath yes uh, yeah i i i had a very interesting build where i was a heavy bleed mm. but also did enough of like whatever shit you have to do to be good at dragon skills so i could give everything scarlet rot and mm. cheese help cheese shit that way as well yes um really uh, enjoyed the game it sometimes was a little too obtuse or a little too hard in some spots but it really felt fun and interesting in the way that video games really aren't a lot these days i feel like um i think that's kind of been like the whole souls like experience is like hey remember when games felt like weird and bigger <laughs> than your comprehension yeah and didn't make everything obvious i mean like i feel like dark souls was like a reaction to like the xbox 360 ps3 era of everything having like a five hour tutorial at the front end <laughs> and the fucking hand-holding blandness of video games you know 15 or so years ago yeah it definitely did feel like a reaction to that even demon souls being as it was a ps3 game yeah you know it just had this it was interesting like it had this like curveball quality when you you would see it and you'd go oh okay i kind of know what this is third person hack yeah. and slash whatever but then there were systems that were built in there where you're like, oh, yeah. Hold the on. Uh, yeah. the first time I saw or even really knew of Demon Souls, I was over a guy's guy worked with a coworker at Blockbuster, and he's like, you gotta check this game out. And there was like a bunch of us over there were like, all of us just captivated. Like, wait, so this is like hard like games used to be, mm -hmm. and not like a wish fulfillment like Call of Duty. And he's <laughs> like, yeah. And I'm like, man, this sounds amazing. Yeah, for the time, it definitely went against the grain. I mean, I'm trying to think of like what what was popular around that time period, and I'm thinking like Uncharted, which Uncharted is not a bad game. It's just it's definitely it's more forgiving mm -hmm. than you than you would think of of something like uh, like a Dark Souls or a Demon Souls. So yeah. Uh, Elden Ring definitely held the top spot for me as well. I have finished my fourth playthrough now. Don't think I'm going to be touching the game for a while. There's pretty much nothing left for me to do in it. I spent about 200 hours in the game fully immersed, like I do when a new FromSoft game comes out. It just sucked up all of my time and energy. And, yeah. But boy, what an experience. Oh, it's ah. just so much fun. Like, that was... 
the first game I really like was playing in my apart my new apartment. Mm. And so like, you know, I didn't have like a good couch at the time. Oh no. So I just had like That's this essential. old yeah. Well you were you came over to my apartment when I first moved in. Yeah. Like I just had that fucking funky orange and yellow chair that's like an old like 60s lounge chair right so like, just oh. like i was just like i would come home from work crack open a beer and sit in front of the, sit in that chair and just play like elden ring and i'm like this fucking rules right like this is actually this is like this is all i want like who says men need a lot of shit to be happy no that's a quality that FromSoft games have i've noticed this where things just drop away you're in it there's a, a focus that happens because yeah. because after I played Elden Ring, I said, okay, I'm I'm gonna do this for real. I finally finished Sekiro, mm-hmm. which I had been sitting on since it came out because I got to the last boss and gave up. I got to Sword Say Nation and just kept getting my ass beat for days and days and days. And I said, you know what, I'm done with this. And I said, well, you know, I pretty much beat the game. I gave you everything yeah, in this right. last boss. And I got my ass beat for another two hours by that same boss. But eventually I did it. So I, I put that up on the wall like, yep, that's another one. And then I looked around and I said, oh, I never played the DLC for Bloodborne. So I went back and I played that. Like, uh, And then I, I picked up a th- uh, the, the three-game set of the Dark Souls games for the PlayStation, even though I have them on PC. And said, "I'm going to do this." And I got through the. I got through Dark Souls Remastered, and then I said, "Okay, all right, I'm done." But it took me, you know, <laughs> a yeah, good wow. chunk of the year, <laughs> yeah, to, to really get tired of it. And that's that says something because me, I'm I'm dropping games because they don't wow me in like 20 minutes. So yeah, you know, I'm very picky. Um, but I think Elden Ring really is the is the distillation of a lot of stuff that's come before it. And I think without having played any of those other ones, you might be a little, I don't know, lost in the woods, you know, uh, a game that I played the living shit out of. And I don't think I'm going to go back to it was Tango Gameworks put out Ghostwire Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Ghostwire Tokyo didn't get a lot of fanfare. I, I found that was really disappointing. No. Ghostwire Tokyo is a first person I hesitate to even say like survival horror or shooter. It, it kind of defies genre. It's got a bunch of different stuff mixed in there. It's a, you know, it takes place in a very small area of Tokyo and you die and then you're resurrected by a helpful ghost who's there to help you eliminate all the ghosts that have basically raptured all these, all these people. <laughs> and so you and this small ragtag group of, of survivors are trying to figure out what happened, rescue your loved ones. It doesn't have a huge stakes. It's a small city, you know, it's like, yeah. And you fight the yokai, the, the, the evil creatures with magic that comes out of your fingertips. <laughs> so it's got this very odd, it never leaves first person. Mm-hmm. So it's completely first person. Even the platforming stuff, which does get annoying from time to time, but just visually, and it's PlayStation 5 thing, so it's just definitely very much down to the hardware. It's very much down to the way the controller emits sounds when enemies are nearby. It's down to the the, the feedback on the triggers, because it has that haptic feedback there. When you, when you pull down the trigger a certain way, it does 
certain things. Ghostwire Tokyo is almost like a travelogue. You, you, you're basically just exploring. Mm-hmm. You find ways to get around. It's, it's, it feels very small, but it feels intentionally so. You meet up with like helpful cat spirits who are running all the shops now that all the humans are gone. It's it's that charming. Sounds, sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a fun little game. I think I think there was a PC release for it, but yeah, the, the PlayStation is definitely the way to go with the with the speaker on the controller and all the. But unlike Elden Ring, I don't think I'm going to go back to it because you really once you get to a certain point, you've used all your upgrade points. You don't. You yeah. Know, you're not collecting any currency anymore. It's like you're ready for the game to be over. But it's still stuck with me just because it's so visually interesting and it's just it's got a real tactile feel to the play to it. It's something that you don't see that a lot, even though the, the PlayStation 5 has all these things in the controller that, that, that do get used from time to time. Like if we were doing the show last year, my game of the year would definitely would have been Returnal. Because Returnal had a lot of really cool uses of the triggers and all the haptic feedback and the textural that. stuff. And yeah, and, and there wasn't as many games this year to do that, but but T- Ghostwire definitely made use of it. And then the uh, the last game on my list as far as video games this year would be Kirby and the Forgotten Land. I've heard good things about that. Oh my goodness! You think you know Breath of the Wild was lauded for all this like okay, go anywhere, do anything. Well, Kirby isn't quite that, but. It definitely is interesting to do Kirby in a 3D space. It is interesting to do Kirby and add all these new ideas, all these new little power-ups. There was, you know, these progression systems within progression systems. There's a little mini-game where you're running the counter at a, at a diner and you're trying to get all your food orders out in time. It's, just, it's, it's fun. It's cute. It's got this really great color palette. The music's great. Can't really say much bad about it. The platforming is super easy. It's not as though it's like a challenging game until it is. Because there's a whole coliseum where you get all these power-ups. It's like everything you like about the old 2D Kirby games, but then they put it in 3D, and then they added all these things to do. There's just so much to do in the game. I still haven't finished it because I just keep you know, I keep going and, oh, well, I want to go over here you know, and go to this stage. So it is definitely kind of a neat experience. Because you don't really think of games like Kirby as something that would appeal to someone in their 40s, but yet this one did. You know, yeah. like it's, it's, that's kind of neat to me. I've always liked Kirby games. Like I remember very distinctly enjoying Kirby's Dream Land mm. 1 and 2 on Game Boy when I was a mm. little wee lad. And I still think the NES Kirby is a yes. lot of fun. Oh, Last yes. time I played through that, I still thought, like, oh, this still holds up really well. It really it's does. It's probably one of the best-looking NES games, the best-playing NES games. Like, it feels like HAL Laboratories really got every bit out of yeah, that they... dying, <laughs> weird system. <laughs> they definitely <laughs> did get their money's worth, for sure. You know? um, so I'm glad that, that Kirby, they're still making good Kirby games because yeah, yeah. Kirby's a great little character. He's just a little, he's just a little guy. Just a little guy. He's just a little guy. I don't know if I played as many new games this year as I normally do but I think well, one I do know that you were into Deathloop yeah I was going to say Deathloop's yeah. definitely on there I really enjoyed Deathloop even though that was technically released last year it did get its its full release on Xbox Series X and I think PC mm-hmm. this year so and it was, it. that counts for me <laughs> yeah I was going to say well it was weird because people were counting it like no this is like the almost like this was the real release of the game oh almost, yeah which yeah, is really yeah, interesting yeah. yeah you hear that yeah but I really enjoyed the the puzzle elements the story the narrative interweaving that was present and the ambiance just the general oh, yeah. design and aesthetic um, it's definitely a game that that is heavy on vibes 
very heavy <laughs> on vibes, very heavy on being creative in how you want to deal with certain situations. Um, just smartly done in so many fucking ways. Um, just surprisingly competent at worst. At right. best, <laughs> like mind-blowingly creative and addictive. Just little things like there was like a couple original songs written for it and they're not necessarily amazing, but they're kind of catchy and they lend to the vibe and everything that the game is trying to do. And I just had a shitload of fun. I wish the online worked better for me because when I did get it to work, um, it was a lot of fun. I actually ended up turning it off halfway through playing the single player because it was like, right. I've, I've spent an hour trying to set this shit up and I don't need someone to fucking cheese me. The asynchronous multiplayer, I really felt like should have been opt in as opposed to like by default. Like that was definitely one of the shortcomings for me. Cause like, yeah, I would, I would be halfway through the second to last assassination and Juliana would show up and I'm like, God damn it. All right. I got to deal with this now. Yeah, <laughs> so. and it's like someone that's like that's all they do. Yeah, is yeah, play yeah. Juliana, so they got all the best perks, and it it doesn't feel fun. It almost felt like the early Dark Souls invasion mechanic, where you yeah. would just go in and ruin someone's day. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. I just I eventually turned it off because there were so many times where like I was like, okay, I think I figured out how to do this, and then like I just got fucking. From across the map, Note 360, yeah, like, no scoped by some... Just no scoped, and uh, though I did enjoy, enjoy playing as Juliana quite a bit. I did have a lot of fun with that, and I don't think I like was like ruining anyone's fucking day, because I wasn't always great at it, and also have a fucking weird internet connection for it. <laughs> right. Like, I tried not to be fucking too cheesy. I tried to be clever. Right. Um, Give them a fighting chance. Yeah, yeah. or like, you make them just... Sometimes it was just fun to make people anxious by by... By hitting them once and then disappearing for a couple minutes and then just like getting them later. Making them sweat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where the fuck is he coming from? So Deathloop was definitely my number two. And I think my number three, probably Vampire Survivors. That's what I'm hearing a lot more about. Yeah. The, the, the folks, whole... folks, you hear about this? You read about this? It's <laughs> yeah. this little game. It's a little game. It's, like, it's like a roguelike, but also a bullet hell. We got to do that because Jay is still in the hospital for burns. So we got to we got to. No, he's out on. of the hospital. Oh, is he out? Okay, he's out of the oh, hospital. He's slanging his dick all over Hollywood. <laughs> hey, he's you want to take a stick? <laughs> hey, you know, it burnt my face, but you know my dick, my hog's still good. If you want to suck on it a little bit and slap it on the side of your mouth, you ever seen one of these before? Uh, anyway, <laughs> he's just wearing the denim jacket. Wearing the denim jacket, just an absolute fucking hog. Just an absolute. Fucking degenerate for eating. Something about getting burned by the fire. Like, you know, I realized I only got so much time on this earth, and there's only so much pussy I can eat. That's true. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's got to he's got to get in where he fits in anyway. <laughs> so, Vampire Survivor. Vampire that's, Survivor that's, has that's no again. Jay Leno, no Jay Leno, no burn ward Jay Leno asking for a crumb of pussy. Although that could be added later as <laughs> like a crumb of pussy DLC. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Stephanie Sterling uh, did, did some some writing for that game. That was when the first time I heard about it was was when uh, she was putting out some videos there about like yeah the game is great. By the way, I wrote on it. <laughs> yeah, I I've enjoyed it. It's like a weird bullet hell roguelike. Some of the progression stuff I'm not a huge fan of, but yeah. 
part of that's part and parcel of the genre, though. Sure. Yeah, that... But there, there, like through the progression, like there's some stuff that's really fun and entertaining and kind of a weird Undertale sort of way that was completely unexpected and made me wonder, like, uh, is this going to play off? And like, oh, it did in its own little way. And then you have to never, don't have to worry about it ever again. And you're like, oh, okay, that was, huh. that happened. And uh, the little DLC that came out that was just a couple bucks, uh, I thought would have a, more than one new stage, which is a little disappointing. Yeah. But the new items and the new characters were a lot of fun. And the new stage itself is fun. So the DLC, the game is like five bucks. The DLC is like a couple bucks. Okay. I got free on Game Pass and paid sure. like a dollar for the DLC because I have Game Pass. So for those of you on Game Pass, it's definitely a deal worth doing. Yeah, for uh, the, sure. Game Pass honestly just rubs everything else's, you know, <laughs> fucking dick in the dirt. Well, yeah, I mean, Game Pass, you got High on Life, you got the Yakuza games. I mean, those two alone. Just are worth so it, much yeah. stuff. I mean, High on Life. I mean, I, me and D played it that one night, and I there's my whole thing was like if she was like, oh, we should we should play that again, like we would, but I just don't. It's one of those games where I feel like you can just kind of pick it up whenever. It would just almost be worth it to watch someone play, like, the movie version of yeah. it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, a Let's um, Play, as it were, yeah. Just like the part we played, the beats were too few and far apart, right. and the gun gameplay was just so rudimentary. It, yeah. felt like I was, it felt like I was playing Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six on PlayStation. Okay, <clears throat> I can get that. I can get that vibe, It's like, yeah. oh, this is just, like, this is the part of the game that no one spent time on. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was too. Everyone was too busy making sure that the Gorfaglax could hand you atomically correct anime of aliens from its home planet. The fact that I don't know whether that's a joke or whether that's actually in the game is what makes it even better. With Justin Rowling, you never know. Yeah. You gotta pull the flaps open. Oh, okay. And read the you, you read books. You read books in, in in High on Life by sticking your face in a horse, an alien horse pussy. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. See again, I've never played the game, so I can't I can't tell if you're it. full of shit or that. Okay, it's very interesting because that game either gets like it's either reviewed like at like a two, mm-hmm. and like IGN gave it like a nine, and I'm like, the fuck. <laughs> did we play the same game yeah i mean ign i i don't think has a lot of, even though they have cat bailey who i think is a very good person in games journalism which is a weird thing to say yeah i was gonna say uh, like... as like their news editor i um she's great she's mm-hmm. like the head honcho at us gamer and all that and i think she seems like a nice person has good opinions it sounded like the guys at IGM were just really glad they could drink warm beers with Justin Roiland once or twice. Probably. Doing, yeah. doing... They got name dropped in the game, too. That that was... Uh... Oh, jeez. Yeah, so that's oh, part geez, of it. Rick. Oh, jeez, yeah. Oh, jeez, Rick. The ethical conflicts. Maury, <laughs> don't think about the ethical conflicts too much. Think about think about all the money. The most important thing is money. You know what? You know what I really want to see Justin Roiland do is bring back House of Cosby's. Oh, boy. Do you remember Ooh. House of Cosby's? That was my first exposure to Justin Roiland. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm your father and I love you, Theo. I'm bathtub Cosby. <laughs> I like to explore the house, you know. I will go around the house. I'm Curiosity Cosby, you see. Dear God, this has to stop now. It's definitely an experience. <laughs> house like, of Cosby is yeah. the fact that like Andy Samberg and like uh, the Lonely oh, yeah. Island guys do yeah. voices for it. Yeah. And well, that, I, wasn't that like early in their 
early in their. This was like this was just like bef- this was pre like SNL Lonely yeah, Island. I was gonna say because that was probably this was like when Lonely Island was for dudes that were key holders at GameStop or EB Games. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Oh God, EB Games. That'll date you. So this is like spin the wheel of categories, Brian. We have uh, we're talking about records, comics, movies, TV shows, and books. What? Uh, uh, let's do uh, records next. Records. I, I don't think I write any books this year because I'm too busy voting against my own self interest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you live in Missouri. It's fine. <laughs> it's so, okay. Listen, I got gooey butter cake and the pizza's all right. Exactly. So records this year, boy. I want to kick off with one that really shocked me: the Mars Volta. I know. I see the look. I'll see it. Hey, you know what? Hey, thanks for having me over. Yeah. <laughs> I don't leaving. need 18 minute songs that sound in Spanish about the bull weevil uh, resisting uh, colonialism. Right. Well, what's interesting about this new Mars World record? It's eight minute songs about the bull weevil <laughs> resisting colonialism. No. Come on now. Um, they, they've really pared down a lot of their more bombastic elements. They really focused on groovy shit. It really feels like they listened to a lot of Santana records between this one and the last one they made. I can, and it, I can and get it, into like some Bay Area 70s like soul. There's some really interesting choices. I, I swear to God, if I listen to this and it sucks, I'm going to kick you square in the nuts next week. Look, if, you, <laughs> like, if you're predisposed not to like the Mars Volta... But you're making it sound interesting. <laughs> I know, but what I'm saying is, for the sake of my nuts, don't listen to it. <laughs> Please. Destroying Please. nuts yeah. in three, not, not good. two, <laughs> one. For me, again, for this, me is, this my is just... Nuts. For me, yeah, for me, for the sake of me and my nuts, uh, I will say that like I really enjoyed it because it was something very different from them. It was something where you went, "Oh, you could have done this the whole time, and you chose instead to make an, a twenty-minute song about the bull weevil." Uh, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like what if I told what if I told you shopping at the mall was bad <laughs> and Esperanto, <laughs> right? So you know, your mileage may vary. So there's that one. Uh, I did really enjoy. This is really comes as no surprise to anyone who knows me. The new Mountain Goats record, Bleed Out, because it was the Mountain Goats as produced by the lady from Bully. Um, and oh, so, so which you, is like Archers of Loaf for people with stick and pokes. Exactly. So so if you take that and then you take John Darnielle's lyrics, yeah, and you got, a, you got something really listen. interesting. I, I yeah. forgot they had a new record this year. I need yeah. to listen to it. Bleed Out, fantastic. <laughs> But man, John Darnell, uh, he wrote. He actually had a book came out last year. It was really good, called The Devil House. Um, okay. So if you, it, check it. Even if you're not a fan of his his music, his writing is is uniformly like the past three books that he's written. Yeah. Are are really worth worth your time. We had your poetry. That's why our poetry, and the album's called Ruin Music. Uh, that is uh, two guys from a three person band. The band uh, Johnny Foreigner. From, uh, yeah. from over there in the UK. And so uh, Kelly, the bass player, went off to have a baby. But in the meantime, Alexei and Junior formed a side project, as it were, called Your Poetry. And Ruin Music is great. has a lot of references to the movie uh, Empire Records, <laughs> which you would think was not a thing that like an indie band would, would find solace in. But... There's all strange times we live in. They they are indeed, and like, yeah. One of the tracks is like, uh, I I don't have to explain my art to you, Warren. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's a fun record. There's a whole song about how all the kids in the bands have it wrong. Um, 
just because you can write her a song doesn't mean that you have to. This guy, you know, he's coming from years of being in bands and like knowing all these young kids that are like, hey, well, you're not really doing it right. So it really feels funny because it's like it's this older guy trying to tell these young punks how to do it. But also the music kicks ass. So it's like a, I don't know, it's one of those things. So those are my those are my records of the year. Brian, I'm, I'm guessing you have a, a, a bit of a different set. Uh, yeah, um, my <laughs> favorite record of the year, hold on, because I got, you know, I'm a guy with a speech impediment and also I'm a dumbass, so I got to make sure I pronounce this correctly. So I think my record of the year is uh, Ethiopies by Billy Woods. Oh, Billy Woods, yeah. Uh, Billy Woods is probably, I think, one of the most interesting musicians of any genre right now. His work is sarcastic. It's depressing. It's also, at the same time, funny in a very dark and uh, sharp fashion. I um, mean, he works with really interesting producers. He, I think, kind of really started out like working with Blockhead, who... Uh, you know, the ASAP Rock. ASAP Rock, yeah. yeah. I think his record "Hiding Places," which came out in 2019, probably probably my favorite record of the last decade. Wow, that's a bold statement coming from you. I mean, that's yeah. A, yeah. Oh, easily, just like just this amazing thing about just like <laughs> life sucks, and you just kind of got to deal with it. And I mean, it's it's told through his own perspective and his sure. own lived experience, but it's like. But just like the, it's never really going to get any better. But if you're lucky, it might be funny in a way that's really terrible. <laughs> so he's like Jeff Rosenstock, the rapper. <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you might want, you know, nothing ever is good going to happen to you. Like, um, producer preservation is apparently he's done like whole entire like beat records out of stuff he found like at a record store in like Hong Kong and shit like that. All right. And a lot of bits from. From a movie, the name escapes me. That is about a tribe in Africa where, like, the tribal leader is selling out to the colonial uh, oh, wow. entity. You know, there's clips of the man bragging about, like, you know, look at all of these these accoutrements, all of these great things I have in my my chalet, hmm. and you know, a, a visor or a friend is telling him, but you know. But what happens when the great day comes when we need to when they when you know you have to slaughter the sheep? What's your end game? How is this going to look good for you? How is this going to look for other people? You know, and it's eerie and yeah. how he interweaves colonialism, dysphoria of of African folks through also the just terribleness of modern existence, and a lot of his stuff is told through the perspective of a young black man in America. Well, I mean, he also grew up, I think partially in, in Africa and, you know, he's had a really interesting life. I'm, I'm not trying to be biographical here, but I'm also not trying to be misleading. Right. Um, just a really interesting person with an interesting perspective that I think most people, if they've ever had to suck shit and work a crappy job or have terrible roommates or have anything just not go your way for a couple of years can relate to you know, me, a uh, top tier cynic and shit talker, <laughs> um, obviously um, uh, really identifies with Billy Wood's uh, ability to perceive things and uh, and how he has both at the same time a really depressing viewpoint and an amazing sense of dry, yeah. dark humor. And also, this record breaks one of my least favorite things about hip hop, which is too many guest spots. Yeah. There's a lot of people on there whose names I forget. All of them kill it. 
Mm. It's really fucking weird because it's almost like for me when a a hip-hop musician, a rapper I know, I like, has a new record and half the songs have features on I'm like, oh, this is just going to be bad. (laughs) (laughs) It's like in 2003, 2004, if you were a rock musician and the label didn't like your record, they would put Iggy Pop on a track. Oh... Iggy Pop really was out there doing the Lord's work in like yeah. 2003, 2004, trying to help bands out on Sub Pop and like Atlantic. Wow. Anyways, but like LP has a great verse. Oh, wow. LP's on it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Despot. Um, and LP's not even like the best feature on there, but like he just has like, it's just like, oh, this is like real old school LP. I feel like I haven't heard in a minute. Despot, who I don't think ever is going to come out with his record, no, has probably the best verse I've heard all year. It's just an amazing record, and it's kind of a bummer that Billy Woods' follow-up Church, I think I gave like three listens to and was like, uh... Yeah. That's the problem with being, I call it Ty Seagal Syndrome, <laughs> which is like, you, you're, you're really prolific, but sometimes maybe you, just because you can, you shouldn't release that much music in a year, which is weird. It's a weird thing to say. Yeah, it definitely feels odd. Billy Woods has done this before amongst all of his projects and knocked out the park. I think it's probably his first like step back, I think, in his entire career, Churches. Uh, I think my second favorite is probably Cave World by uh, the Swedish Fail Sons uh, Viagra Boys. <laughs> I think they've found a way to be trashy and have like these nice little syncopated kind of drum machine beats and a little weird synthy shit. And like the saxophone is such a punk rock instrument when you really think about These it. These days, especially. Yeah. yeah sure. You really got like, it's, it's like if you're really into like owing people money, you buy a saxophone because <laughs> saxophones are never cheap. It's like the most expensive brass instrument. It has to be. Well, well like who do the or punks? It's technically a woodwind because it's a reed. Correct. Like who yeah. do the punks idolize nowadays though? And then I thought like, oh, Bruce Springsteen. And what does he have in the band? Yeah, it's a motherfucking saxophone. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Anyways. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Viagra Boys definitely. Viagra Boys I, is a catchy little weird yeah. song, or not song, weird record. Um, that's like about QAnon and how everything is all the disharmony of of living right now we featured add on the show uh, yeah which i think is a great little record and it's kind of like about you know it's got some some orange chair philosophizing about like was what did we lose evolving from apes Um, (laughs) it's it's also like the anxiety of modern life yeah yeah so that that, i think what i appreciate it doesn't pretend to be any smarter than it is Mm mm-hmm it is just to be like, huh, have you ever thought about this? And it's not, they're not trying to be like fucking Bono. Right. It's, it's yeah, still a guy. It's they're not still moralizing. Dudes, yeah, It's for still sure. a band that has songs about, you know, lick the bag and, you know, research chemicals and stuff. Like, um, like they are not trying to be any, pretend to be any smarter than they are, which I deeply appreciate because, uh, there's way too much of that. Yeah, for sure. Like there's, there's some bands that are just like, okay, I get it, man. Yeah. You read theory. You've read, you 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 read Adbusters, yeah. And I don't know if I have like a third favorite record because I, New Bjork record's great. Oh yeah, um, but for sure. As far as why I've had time to listen to, I think the new Yeah Yeahs record is. It doesn't deserve to be my third. It just happens to be I don't listen <laughs> to yet, a lot of new music. Yeah, yeah. it's just. I think we all want more Karen O. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of those songs were ghost written. 
Yeah. Oh, the, have you had a chance? Because I was like, I, I have. Was I have a couple times. A second, yeah. But then I was like, I just wanted more Karen O. When I realized, like I said to you, that it was a pretty decent metric record, I, I gave it more time. You know, and and that that really hasn't changed. <laughs> I definitely felt I, like I feel I feel like this was a re- I feel like this was a record that was like half complete by some ghost writers <laughs> and they just need like, cause Nick Zare is not really doing anything in the yeah. whole entire record. I, and, but she, and like, she, and like Karen O even like said in an interview that like, she basically banned Nick Zare from being an interesting guitar player, which is such a strange choice. Yeah. Yeah. You a... have like the guy with the best, I mean, I've said this before, <laughs> the be- the coolest guitar tone in the aughts, arguably. Yeah, I know we're going long here because we're in. Oh, I don't care. Um, <laughs> but uh, the most interesting guitar tone, and then you want him to just like chill, yeah, chill, mm-hmm. and it sucks because I want more. Yeah, the yeah, yeah, were like my one of my favorite bands mm-hmm. in high school. The first time I heard Bang was like a fucking life changing. Everything on the Master EP mm-hmm. or the self titled EP for, but everyone knows it's the Master yeah. EP. If you're or, a real dirt art bag. star, one that they put out was uh, really you know, great. Uh, yeah. Anything this, prior to Fever to Tell really was, was raw. Just yeah, like, I damn. mean, Fever to Tell was pretty raw in its own right, but Show Your Bones was just like, it was fun. Yeah, but, but it was definitely a, a curveball. Yeah. Okay, um, what? what is this? Yeah, it was. It's a bummer I never got to see them supporting Fever to Tell. I got to see them twice supporting show your bones where they had like the weird dude in the boiler suit playing <laughs> bass and i'm like i don't know if i'm into this yeah and then i saw them i covered uh them touring behind um it's blitz yeah which i thought was like oh this is just some people trying to get out of a contractual obligation i felt like it was like oh we listened to a bunch of electro clash records and we just want to do that for a while but, but, but it's weird because, blah, blah, blah. i'm sounding like don Viel here blah, 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 blah. but they were like a fucking electro clash band they were like in there with like felix a house cat and like peaches and princess superstar in all the fucking little expensive ass borders music mags like yeah. fucking mojo and shit circa 2002 huh? so i mean i don't know i mean it's is it is it the fly returning to its larval stage then i don't know I don't know. I, but I, 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 yeah. did, I did not write a nice review of It's Blitz for playback. I think I said it should have been titled We're Only In It For The Money. I, I thought it was shit. I mean, now that I'm older, I can appreciate it a little bit more. But when it first came out, I was like, they're, they can write a better record than this. Oh, one last record I completely forgot. And I, I'm doing myself a disservice by not mentioning this. A gentleman whose name I forget, but he comes from Philadelphia, goes by the name Signals Midwest. It's a record called Dent. And it is probably the most concise perfect pop punk slash emo record of the year it packs a punch doesn't outstay its welcome it's got some great lyrics some great tunes highly recommended i think that will be something that we that, that's how we're going to end this episode we're going to play a little something from it called uh yeah you told me to listen to that record and uh it's we'll, fine we'll be seeing them in march so i know I, yeah i yeah. mean um, it's, it's it's one of those things where it's like there's a, like a dozen other bands I I thought of when I first listened to that record. I'm right. like, you know what? I don't hate this, but I would not want to have to listen to this on like a really long plane ride. That was that was my like one record I listened to on repeat this Amazing. year. Amazing. I'm like, this so. is cool. I'm glad people like it. Yeah. Um, well, music is everything's subjective. Like everything's subjective. I don't, I don't hate it. Like I'm not saying like these dudes should like be in jail <laughs> or anything. I'm not saying that they should be stripped through the streets and Drag. made to write music that's good. Yeah. yeah. I'm just saying like it's just not necessarily my bag, but I don't hate it. Right. Um, so yeah, those are records. I wish I listened to more 
new music this year, but yeah. I kind of was just going to my comfort zone. I was listening. No. I was the top 0.5% of listeners of Billy Woods on Spotify. Hey, uh, hey my, yeah. my top five, I'll just put it in here. Uh, no particular order. Billy Woods, Viagra Boys, AJJ, Burial, and The Babies. Oh, wow. Yeah, I yeah. got a little bit of soul in me. I was going to say, yeah, well, that, okay. The Babies, I, I discovered them a little late. Um, I didn't realize that was Vivian Girls. Yeah. I forget how I got stuck on them, but I was like, oh, this is just like really fun. Not necessarily like childish, but these are like the songs you write when you're young. Yes. And yes. they're very sweet and they're, they're they they feel meaningful, you know, if they're like going by obviously a hard on the hard on the sleeve yeah. type of, yeah. I I I felt that way when I got really into like Cub or Ooh, wow. uh, or, or Linda Lindas, you know, like they're just Jeez. like yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely got that like yeah, raw young earnest emotion to the Yeah, I, I so I I listen that was just like stuff I listened to a lot at work. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um and listen to burial a lot because it's why I would put on when I would uh, um lay pipe. <laughs> it's it's not, like it's not it, Hudson Mohawk. Uh, no, no, it's like song? it would be like really weird, like because I would be like playing like untrue, like at work, and a track would come on, and I'd be like, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you'd start getting uh feeling a little firm at the at the yeah, office I'm just there. Like, yeah. Mm, yeah, I've definitely I gave someone some 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 calf cramps. <laughs> I did a Bayo O'Rourke yeah, on some pussy. <laughs> you went Beto on that pussy. All right, so. <laughs> and then I just stopped giving a shit about what my neighbors heard and was just like, you know what? Speaking of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fuck too. Speaking of music. I dated fu- someone once who was very paranoid about her her roommate hearing us fucking. And she was like, just put on something loud. So I was like, I don't know what's really loud. So I just like put oh, on no. the destruction unit. <laughs> Hell yeah. Just imagine this like this like sweet little hippie girl just getting absolutely railed out to this music that sounds like a bunch of stereos getting put to, through like a fucking uh, like wind turbine. <laughs> it's like putting it's like on... what if like white what if white noise had lyrics? Right. Like, <laughs> hey, um, you mind putting on inside Nerbalton? Uh, yeah, the fuck it's you just say like that. this sounds this, this sounds like an air raid siren <laughs> being bit crushed and delayed. Like, yeah, that's. That's how we do it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really just, I'm not, I'm, I'm just a weird lover. It's all good. Anyway. <laughs> is, it, is it? You kind of got this look like you didn't know where to go with. Like I said, I, I don't put you music don't, on. I'm, you I'm, don't put, you're, you're in the all natural. I'm a, I'm a quiet. Do you turn, let me, like, let me ask you this. Are you like one of those guys that has to like turn off the AC? That like has to be dead silent? No, no, no. <laughs> Actually, uh, because we have kids, it's really nice when the AC is on so that we can like mask it. But no, like it's just, it's, I don't know, music. The, the only time that I've been fucking there we with, go. with music on um, was probably, God, I want to say 22 years ago. So it's been a, you know, uh, and that was in the dorms where you kind of had to, you know, that was the college the, days. I, the, yeah. Um, and that was. Hold that, on, babe. Let me, uh, let me move these cans of Natty Light over so I can <laughs> I can turn on Sugar Rios. Look, no. Let me push the carton of cigarettes off the bed so I can <laughs> so I can go turn on carton of cigarettes unwrapped. Yeah, no, I worked no, at it. Still wrapped. They still got the saran wrap on. No, them. no, the carton itself, no, but the cigarettes themselves were all anyway. That's a carton <laughs> ridiculous. Anyway, but the the principle of the thing was like the only music I had that was really appropriate for the situation was probably either Portishead, which 
we, who hasn't at this um, point? Yeah, to Portishead. But, uh, but had had some. That's how I learned about Portishead was fucking hell yeah. All right, uh, not so, a bad way to go. Yeah, no, uh, no, because uh, they're definitely. They're definitely a band that that lends themselves to that it's a sort beautiful, of thing. Beautiful, yeah. it was a beautiful snowy day, <laughs> not unlike the one we had last week. Okay, and she put on Porous Head, and railed her out. After we were done, I went on the balcony of her apartment, and the neighbor from the apartment next door was smoking a cigarette, and I was just cooling off because I've been fucking. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's yeah. just like taking a drag of his cigarette, and he's giving me this look. And he kind of just slowly, <laughs> slowly nodded. Like, uh, all right, man. He's like, right, yeah. Yeah, because I think he'd see me coming in and out of the apartment. Probably, like he said, like, who's this fucking kind loser? Of and then, he, out, yeah. then he probably heard that going on for like an hour and was just like, huh, I guess that guy's all right. <laughs> I, I love the dude thing of like the slow, appreciative nod. That's a big, like, all right. Yeah, I mean. All right. Well, he didn't know that was like just mostly her on top. Sure, but hey, Fucking you know the what? Shit out of me. Hey, but I was just happy to be there. Yeah, I was gonna say you're, you're glad was, to be on I the was team. A very awkward, annoying twenty-one-year-old. Who was amongst happy. us? It was not an awkward, annoying twenty-one-year-old. But uh, so records, we 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 went through. Let's do movies. Movies is one of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah, I love talking about movies. I love talking about about movies and tv shows so i think maybe that's that's where we we go next and boy movies this year there was a lot of good boy, stuff it was, good, it was a good time to go to movie i get the feeling your movie sli- why am i sounding like a weird i don't know guy? i don't know listen my brother said if you go over there the bread's very good yeah but if you go there too late in the day the bread's going to be dry you gotta get there early in the morning i gotta say one of my favorite movies this year and i know you might not agree, but I had an an amazing time watching everything, everywhere, all at once. What a film! See, I haven't gotten to see that because oh, wow. it came and left the theaters too quick here in St. Louis. That is true. You know, I, I did not see that at the movies. I saw it at home. I had some credits from the old Amazon there, and I rented it on the platform. Despite the fact that I didn't see it in a theater, I did see it. I, I don't know. I guess I was just in the right mindset. And boy, multiverse movies now are really common. You and yeah. I talked about No Way Home. You know, we talked. We we both kind of briefly touched on Doctor Strange too. Like multiverse movies are suddenly everywhere. But this one, first of all, you got Michelle Yeoh. Michelle mm-hmm. Yeoh, phenomenal actress to begin with. But this movie is almost like the greatest hits of Michelle Yeoh's career. So you've got her doing bits with who uh, made his triumphant return to acting. Mm -hmm. First time in 20-something years that he's been in a movie. You know, he was short round in in the the Indiana Jones movie. He was Data in the Goonies. And then he just quit acting. Yeah. And went behind the scenes. He was doing all this other stuff. And he was actually probably smart for... Yeah. Child stars, you know, of the 80s. he, He probably... Did himself a bit of a service. The there. happiest people I know in show business, this is just a complete side, yeah. are not in front of the camera. They're the guys that work, they're like grips. They're people that help do like transportation and all that. Like, Because nothing's expected of them. You just, you have a job and you just have to be really good at it other than, than, than that's it. Like it's really easy to be good at some of those jobs. So part of it was kind of a homecoming for him. Sure. 
part of it was Michelle Yeoh doing every role that she's ever done in the same movie. Part of it was them doing a nice little tribute to a Wong Kar Wai movie, uh, In the Mood for Love. Part of it was they did a, a long-running gag about Ratatouille. I mean, there's just there's so many layers, so many different things happening in the movie. You can watch it three or four times, and you'll find something new every time. It's just one of those movies where, A, it was made for me. Like It felt like it was really like made for me, even though I know it wasn't. It was made sure. for, you know, second or third generation kids who are dealing with the fact that their parents still have all these hangups from, from coming over to this country. Mm-hmm. It, but at the same time, there's there's just so much in it. Like, it's a movie that's just got so much for anyone who watches it. Big fan. Can't say enough. The Daniels. I cannot wait to see what else they're going to come up with because awesome. the last thing of theirs I saw was Swiss Army Man. <laughs> you know, I still haven't seen that, so I guess oh, I man. think I'm going to have to do uh, a some bit of a serious... deep dive. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I definitely wanted to watch well both those movies. I really wanted to see that. I just missed the boat. I I'm hoping I can I can watch it soon and 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 feel about it the same way you do. I heard I hope so. nothing yeah. but good things from just about everyone who got to see it in theaters. The other one that I would put in that same camp is, like I mentioned, Doctor Strange 2. But uh, that was more of a, hey, Sam Raimi's back doing superhero movies, and he's good at it, and boy, here's a bunch of stuff that he really liked doing in other movies. It really did feel like a greatest hits compilation of yeah. all the Sam Raimi stuff that we like from Darkman to Spider-Man to this to that. To that. Like, there was even a moment where there was straight out of Evil Dead mm-hmm. where they had Benedict Cumberbatch coming back as the evil version of himself. Perfect. Like you just if you're going to pick somebody to do a movie like that, it's got to be Sam Raimi. Like I thought that was really fun. I felt like it was a little too predictable as far as like what Sam Raimi shit was going to do. Right. So many Dutch angles. And I'm a guy that likes a good Dutch <laughs> angle. Look at my uh my my portfolio. I was, was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> But it was still fun. One that you and I would definitely agree on for a movie of the year this year would be Nope. Jordan Peele's uh, love letter to Hollywood, but also kind of a hate letter. So, <laughs> you you know, don't really know. I really enjoyed Nope, but I don't know if it's a top film for me. Really? All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, go- I'm just going by threes. I guess if I sure. wanted to expand to like a 10. No, no, no. Uh, um, it would definitely be a top tenner. I don't know if it's a top fiver. Okay. All right. Um, what would be? Just out of curiosity. I think my second pick would be The Northman. Okay. Eggers. Definitely pulling out all the stops with that one, for sure. I thought it was chilling and strange. And I think it was Will Meneker from Chapo Trap House. <laughs> I know. I think it's... No, no. You? Hey, yeah. I, I, but I, I think Will's a big film nerd. So yes. I, I feel like he, he, he hits a lot of shit on the... On the... I'm a religious follower on Letterboxd. I, I think uh, his fanboyism of avatar is a little depressing but i know you love the blue rat i was gonna say i'll say that for next week when i talk about avatar but yes i think it was him i I don't want to misattribute but i'm fairly certain it was him that said that the northman is like a movie that speaks its own language yeah is set by a old style of storytelling Mm. i can't remember anything that has felt like that in a long time even compared to David Eggers. I was going to say, yeah, like even The Witch doesn't really have. But it feels like it has its own rhythm, its own beat, its own symbolism. 
that doesn't follow the typical Western ideals. Yeah, it's not necessarily inscrutable, but it does have a visual language even that is yeah. unusual. It's like That's... watching like French New Wave cinema from like the sixties. Or it a is, Bergman film. Yeah, like it is 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 governed by rules that are not necessarily unfamiliar to you but are are have a different value system, a different standard. Yeah, I wouldn't say Lynchian, but it approaches. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely has a dream not necessarily, well, maybe not dreamlike, but there's a... It's got William Dafoe being the crazy man. It's got Bjork for 30 seconds. <sighs> Welcome back, Bjork, to the to the magic of film. Um, um, I just, you know, I want to rewatch... It's on um, Amazon Prime right now. I think I'm going to rewatch it soon. I just think it's a wonderful little movie. Saw it in theaters, which takes a lot for me to go see shit in theaters right now, you know, given stuff. Right. Because the other one that I was going to uh, bring up for myself was probably... It's it's between two. I can't really decide between Turning Red, which Disney Pixar stuff always has a a loving place in this household. I have two 12-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And so I see a lot of them as they come out. You know, I see a lot of that stuff. And, of course, last year it was in Kanto Fever. It was all over. But, but Turning Red was really gorgeous. The, very much the love of anime was there. They had these really great facial expressions straight out of, like, a Lupin book. Um, yeah. Uh, the giant kaiju battle at the end with the giant red pandas was just... Who doesn't love a red panda? Who doesn't? Yeah. And so, a fun little movie. And then the other one would have been weird, the Weird Al Yankovic movie. Uh, just because it's so strange and so in line with what you would think of. Like, if you gave Weird Al carte blanche to make a movie about his life, this is pretty much what you would think would happen. Like he's making fun of other biopics. He's kind of goofing on himself by having a very ripped Daniel Radcliffe as yeah. <laughs> as himself. And my favorite thing about the ripped Daniel Radcliffe is like he's just it's just this is how he is. Yeah, he just does whatever. He's great. <laughs> like, I love it. Like that was just his choice is to be Daniel Radcliffe and to be like a little ripped guy. I have to check out the Weird Al movie. Mm-hmm. I am trying to think what my third would be. Gosh, you know, it's just been like a fucking crazy ass year for me that yeah. I hadn't had I haven't really had time to take stock of what I haven't haven't seen. But off the top of my head, a movie that's really stuck with me, I don't know where I would give it a ranking, is Crimes of the Future. Mm. I have not yet seen that one. I'm very excited. I'm a Cronenberg guy from day one, so I definitely It is not his craziest body horror movie no. by any means. No. I can't imagine that anything would, would top <laughs> like scanners yeah, or, or videodrome videodrome it's it's interesting it's not like a perfect film but it does a lot with its budget mm. and its setting and it makes you kind of reconsider like what is intimacy what is sex what is pleasure what is pleasure what is what does it mean to be a human huh and it's a little looking forward in kind of a William Gibson ish sort of way but it's it's interesting because it is dealing with some sci-fi shit. Sure, sure. But it all is really grounded sci-fi. Like hmm. it's it's you know the world's a little dirty, but some things are good, some things are worse, and people have a new set of rules which now they have to understand themselves through because yeah, people you... are like evolving, but you know like these superfluous organs and stuff. Hmm. The government, vague government, is like trying to. Su- that like yeah. trying to like 
you know, if you have like the, the your body's producing superfluous organs, you should come register yourself. Nothing bad will happen. Uh. <laughs> so, without spoiling too much of the movie, because I do think it's worth watching. You know, there's there's a lot of rumination and Lesado and mm. um, Vigo Mort. Lesado, Vigo Mortensen, yeah, Mortensen. There we go. Are just riveting it's hard to take your eyes off of them like yeah, I mean, particularly they're, they're when they're captivating they're in, to begin with they're when just, they're in the same scene together like there's some intimacy scenes that are not explicit in the traditional sense but are explicit in the 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 companionship the closeness the intimacy, way they touch yeah, yeah it seems like it's very much in this mold of like a nine and a half or uh, films that, again, were not explicit, but were charged with a a, a very charged. palpable sense yeah. of... Yeah, because it, it goes past being implied, because it's, it's definitely explicit, but it's not like gratuitous, it's not overly sexy. Yes, there is nudity and stuff, but like... It's, just, it's intimate in a way I don't see in a lot of films these days. I thought it was really interesting and D thought it was really interesting. I'm definitely intrigued. I, 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 it was like a $2 rental on Amazon prime. (laughs) So it was also kind of hard to just be like, you know what? Like no brainer. Yeah. 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 Let's do this. Let's make it a date night. And (laughs) that was like when I watched secretary with my wife, you know, like, Hey, so, uh, (laughs) you, you want to bark at me like a dog? (laughs) I think that would be really cool. (laughs) Hey, I've got a new and interesting idea. Wait, you know what? Let's make getting the mail fun. <laughs> oh, you don't like that? Okay, well I'll see you. You're going to yeah. your mom's. Okay, right, I'll see I'll you later. See you, later yeah. you take the kids are going. Okay, yeah. well hey, it's just dad's week. <laughs> uh, no, what's even funnier is that that a couple of years after we had seen that movie and then I had bought the the DVD copy, which dates how long thought, that's been. I thought you were going to say you bought like a ball cap. No, or God no, <laughs> uh, no. But after we after we had bought the DVD copy, uh, my my in laws came over and they they love to go through my movie collection and like rent stuff and they'll just like borrow a movie and my father-in-law said oh this looks good and pulls out secretary and i didn't have the heart to tell him and i kept trying to be like to to my wife like you know he's gonna like he's gonna get him out stop him you know (laughs) but uh they returned it without saying a word about it and i'm pretty sure they they just have never borrowed another movie from me again so uh <laughs> that's uh, what what amazing yeah amazing just like all right well of, of all the movies you chose that that was it so i got another movie of the year yeah please i think it might surprise you mm. knowing me and how i feel about certain <laughs> things particularly with licensed properties okay but uh, i think i'll it's definitely a charter. I don't know if it's like a top fiver, but one I think we could talk about. The Batman. I enjoyed the Batman quite I a bit. I hate the fucking Nirvana song shit. Yeah. That a bit, really... A bit overdone. Yeah. That really uh, is a quite a black eye on what otherwise is a very entertaining and fun movie. Yeah. Well, not that it know, doesn't have other flaws, but it's like really... It's like, oh, you really make me want to not like this. I thought there was so much going for it. <sighs> Reeves really has a command of... Action scenes. Mm-hmm. Paul Dano really surprised me with his turn as yeah. the Riddler. Um, just I, just a just a, a a guy who dear 
Richard. He definitely had. He, well, he was like literally a, like a Reddit R atheism guy <laughs> turned turned super villain, which was fun to me. That yeah, was fun. it's great. It's like oh, I've I've told these guys that they had late fees at Blockbuster and kind of felt scared to walk to my car. Yeah. You know, there was some goofy stuff like uh, the 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 thumb drive gag early in the movie kind of threw me, but you know, I really like the guy who played Commissioner Gordon, whose name escapes me, but uh, the, the the black guy, yeah, the black I know, guy from Westworld, and uh, the black guy. Yeah. These guys say, you know, the black guy. Everyone no, likes. see, that's uh, R.I.P. Westworld. Yeah, I know for sure. That the the last two seasons were kind of dog shit, but but we, we should be allowed it. to watch this fucker clunk into the fucking. Uh, <laughs> We should watch this shit heap just lump over the line into the station. Yeah. Well, and 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 um, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright's Wright. great. I mean, it was a great cast. Um, we had was... Andy Serkis as uh, as Alfred, uh, which which you know, seeing him not in like the Gollum uh, thing or or you know as some sort of CG creature was nice. I always like I always like seeing uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell in the fat suit as the penguin was a was a welcome treat. Some of the shit with Catwoman I didn't always love. I think that's, but um, part of that is down to the fact that you know, like Zoe Kravitz needed to be in the movie more. But <laughs> yeah, but it definitely stayed true to a lot of the more modern Batman comics with the Selina Kyle origin story. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it walked the line between parody and like real stuff. I don't know. It. it f- it felt more grounded, even more so than like the Nolan movies, which I love. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong, but I never expected that I would say this. But Robert Pattinson is really shaping up to be somebody who's got the goods. Like, oh, he's boy. always. I mean, even even as far as back as Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, I thought oh, he had that's the chops. Right. He played Cedric Diggory. Yeah. E- even then, I was like, oh, this guy's really like he was kind of like. He wasn't wow. in the movie a lot, but he like he's he has a performance that's got enough charm to it that you think about it, and I think I mean skip over Twilight, right? Because for me, like the the, the post Twilight stuff was always the most interesting. Like he did a great adaptation of a Delillo book that I liked, Cosmopolis. It's him and it's him in a rotating cast, and then in the end, it's him and Paul Giamatti. So. You can't go wrong sounds, there. That yeah, sounds amazing. I mean, you, you, yeah. you put those two in a room and it's interesting stuff. But then, you know, Lighthouse, which is him and Defoe together Lighthouse for is most fam- of the movie. Looking at my lobster boy. <laughs> <laughs> Why just spill your beans, William? He's got the goods and boy, he really does a bang up job as the... This really as brooding... The... He makes Batman the most anti-hero, I think, of any modern interpretation. Definitely. Um, Definitely. I think the mood the cinematography very dark movie who is fatoni who plays fatoni or is that um i always forget the mob shit john Turturro. Turturro is just this subtle maniac i was gonna say Turturro. you i mean you put him in a movie he's gonna he's gonna do it but yeah that that performance especially was very very i think he in the being a very much so like a cornerstone of how that film is successful oh for sure yeah, because he, he is a very grounded character. Of all of these weirdos and yeah. maniacs, and say, yeah, like you've got guys these... in fetish gear and fat suits and all yeah. that, like Colin he... Farrell in the fat suit, boy, you know, you're really uh, he's great. Uh, yeah, he's but, great, but, but uh, Totoro, um, 
you know, because he comes off as just like an all shucks kind of guy. Yeah. And then near the end, he becomes a fuck. You see him for the monster that everyone's telling you he is. Right. And, and you has... don't almost don't want to believe it. Right. And which I think helps sell it in the like the reality of the movie, as it were. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's the ending is the ending fight with all of the <sighs> Joker, cl- uh, you know, followers is touches on some modern things. And yeah, for sure. Um, I, I, I think it's it was it was I feel like it's a great adaptation of what has to be like a very good script. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is, on the whole, a successful project. I hope when if the second one comes out, I was gonna say yeah, per, per James Gunn. I don't know if that's gonna happen, but fucking James Gunn. How can someone who I first knew of because he hit on my ex when she was underage at the Tivoli, while he was still married to Pam from The Office? Become such a villain. I don't know because, like everything I've seen, film-wise of his, I've enjoyed. Like sure, even, even but like it's like... amazing. He's the Elon Musk of film of comic book movie guys now. Is that only because he's like canceling DC projects over and over? Or is that like, it? Just seems that... like he's cleaning house in a way that doesn't seem to resonate with what people want. Like sure, dude, fucking throw black am into the fucking ocean <laughs> yeah you're not gonna lose much except for the dr fate thing which i talked about but, but but as far as i think like people like suicide squad they like the batman well suicide squad the second one was his yeah so that's gonna stick around um they like the harley quinn shit they like it feels like he might be fucking with stuff that wasn't gonna suck yeah, to make stuff that might suck. That is the that's what it's starting to feel like. Yeah, and and time will tell. I mean, time really, will tell it, 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 because I mean his... we'll know when we get to the eighth era of Batman movies <laughs> in twenty twenty nine. I mean, his instincts for Marvel stuff have been pretty spot on. Sure, I mean, they, he elevated Guardians of the Galaxy from a C tier comic to like a flagship. So I mean, yeah. who knows? You really you really don't know. Like it's it's so weird though. Like why would you cancel? The Blue Beetle movie. All of the grossest perverts with spare cash are going to go for your Blue Beetle movie. Mm-hmm. But the Batman, if things hold with the Batman, I would love to see Pattinson again. Yeah. I'd love to see Colin Farrell again. Uh, I'd love to see uh, Jeffrey Wright again. Don't Worry Darling was, I don't know <laughs> if it was a top tenor, but it yeah. was definitely very interesting. Florence Poe, um, if you want to make me carry your purse... <laughs> Anytime, uh, shoot us an email for eight minutes of dog parking <laughs> at gmail.com. Florence Poe, if, uh, if your agent is listening to the show, uh, Brian has some uh, very questionable things he wants to ask you. And <laughs> have you ever had St. Louis style pizza? That's right. And if In not, bed. hey, um, movies were great this year, but man, <laughs> TV I'm just, I'm just, the worst sex games is like, so you think this is real cheese? Like blindfolder. <laughs> So is this taste like game? Real yeah. <laughs> Doing the taste game with the cheeses. Game. This terrible St. Louis style pizza. <laughs> here's some brown swagger. Here's uh here's some pork su- uh pork steak. Yeah. Here, oh, boy. Here's gooey bark. Oh boy. <laughs> terrible. So while movies were great this year, so was TV. There was a lot of stuff to choose from. I had to narrow it down really hard. I had to discount a few because they technically didn't come out this year. One of the ones that that really stuck me with me was Severance. 
Yeah, Severance was great. Oh, Severance. Speaking of John Turturro. Yeah, exactly. The, no, the master. John Turturro. God, um, even Adam, uh, Adam Scott. Um, Christopher Walken. Walken. What if I told you that only <laughs> underground I was a homosexual? Patricia Arquette. I mean, just a just a stacked cast. And like, uh, boy. And, and uh, a Nepo baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, who, who, who amongst us? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is a Nepo baby, and she was in everything, everywhere, all at once. So, come on. But, I mean, if we're going to have that, if we're going to be relevant to the current, uh, current discourse, <sighs> the one chick... Who plays the uh, your the 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 crowd self insert? Yeah, apparently her parents have <laughs> blue links on. Well, what's even funnier is that in the context of the show, her character is, is also, also a, a nepo, nepo baby. baby. Is yeah. it? Yeah. Oh. Ah, oh. So maybe it's a little yeah telling on themselves a bit. Yeah. Um, but even the uh, anyway. So Severance, <laughs> Severance, boy, you know you really want to do an office culture parody. There's only two shows I can think of that did it really well. That's one of them. And then the other one was one that actually was canceled in 2022, which was corporate. Um, a really, I didn't even know a that exists. Wicked satire. Comedy Central had it for a couple of years, but three seasons worth. Lance Reddick is the boss in it. And, and boy, as a comedic actor, that guy is something else. But yeah, it's it's definitely worth a, a watch if you if you have a moment there, corporate. But no, uh, Severance Boy, that really leaned on the makes the, you really feel upset about work, on, the ennui and horror of office life, which is something that doesn't really get explored except for maybe and I'm trying to think of what other shows did that. And the other only other one that I can think of is Better Off Ted. I never saw that, but wow. I've heard it's a good one. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, boy, Severance. Severance was a good one. I really enjoyed. I, I'm I'm digging into a lot of the horror shows this year. So another one was Archive eighty one. Mm-hmm. And Archive eighty one is an adaptation of a podcast. So Archive eighty one has three seasons in podcast form. It only got one in television form. Sadly, it did get canceled this year. So there will be no Archive eighty one season two. But it's one of the few podcasts that made the TV show leap. And did it well. I think that they changed it just enough to where it was something new for people who were already fans. And then it drew in some people who may not have even heard of it. And the idea is that there's this guy who's out there archiving tapes. Now, in the podcast, obviously, it was audio tapes. And in the TV show, it's videotapes. But the principle is the same. He's out there archiving tapes about a, an apartment building that no longer exists. And so there's a there, there's this air of mystery. This these characters are are kind of continually orbiting each other. There's a bit about maybe there's some dark magic or time travel or it, it it's fascinating stuff. It's really well shot. There's moments almost ripped out of Perfect Blue where you're not sure which is real, and you have these moments okay. of like, is this the past or the present? Um, who's shooting this? What is the really sharp beautiful well acted well written can't really say much bad about it except for the fact that it deviates from the podcast but that's me that's a personal bias show itself is great gotta highly recommend that one wow yeah you know <laughs> it what came and went no it, like i talked about it for like a week but it just died on the vine yeah it was so that's, weird that's a shame mm. oh that's a shame it is. Because it does sound very interesting. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, definitely. I'm gonna, there's two I want to talk about. And the first one, 
I feel like people kind of forgotten. Hmm. But I think it's worth remembering, which is Station Eleven. Oh, highlight, highlight. One of maybe one of my favorite things ever. It has so much. There's a lot of layers. There's stuff going on in every frame. Just a. Mm. I have some really fond memories of traveling with some friends, and you know, traveling across country, and we would take turns reading that book. That oh, was wow. one like we did that. I think we did Annihilation, but that was the audiobook. And then I think we also did the audiobook of uh, True Grit. Amazing choices yeah, for, yeah. for long drives. Uh, God, True Grit's fucking amazing. But but Station Eleven was one of those things. Like I remember very explicitly, like being in the dark and someone reading it and just just uh, the you know the the future, the museum of the past, and all that and just how much care was taking the original text to be kind of hopeful, but a little cynical, but also kind of naked in its optimism that, yeah, that the collapse could happen, mm-hmm. but the dystopia would only be as long as we would let it last. And that eventually that there would be something rebuilt that would have, you know, would not be free of growing pains and its calamities sure. and its hardships, but could be something honest in a way that modern life isn't. It was definitely a very hopeful show. I think that's what yes. that's what really stuck out to me, because like I've watched a bunch of post-apocalyptic shows. In the I'm past just talking about years. the book. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but the show shares a lot of the same. I was going to say oh, um, my, my def- only experience with it was was the show. So yeah, um, the show is it's impressive that they were to take a book. They they were able to take a book like Station Eleven, make it a like what ten twelve episode show, yeah. and have it be so strong. the The choice of cast was amazing. Everything from the the young Kirsten, <laughs> yeah, is she's amazing. Oh yeah, that first episode just hits you like a fucking gut punch. All the stuff that was filmed in the, that's in Chicago was all filmed before the pandemic. Right. Yeah, you and it's almost like you can tell. I don't know if I don't know if you can, but there's certain signifiers like when I watch a show and I'm like, okay, that was shot. You know what I mean? Like there's, I don't there's a know. lot of volume. Yeah. Looking green screens in this motherfucker. <laughs> looking right. at you, Mandalorian, where everything looks fucking cheap. It looks like a fucking high school. Yeah. Anyways. Adult Kristen, Mackenzie Davis. Kirsten. Kirsten, sorry. I keep Mackenzie Davis, she's a force of nature. Yeah. I I'm looking forward to seeing what work she does. She was great in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. There's a couple other things I've seen her in. She adds a world weariness to that character that just feels so lived in. And there's a great supporting cast oh. and the traveling theater. I forget how they how it's called, but the, the theater she's the troupe that she's traveling with. David Cross is in there for mm-hmm. an episode and, you know, his character leaves an impact on the rest of the show because so many things happen around him. Right. For David Cross to come off as an endearing, lovable person <laughs> really is something. Yeah. And he's kind of a dick, but he's like, you don't hate him. Like, and the way that he, he leaves is, you know, he's not being an asshole and then gets killed. He's actually being like a, not a dickhead and gets killed. Lori Petty. The conductor. Yeah. Ah, uh, what? I've I've loved seeing the Lori Petty Renaissance. 
happening in, in she TV was tank shows. Girl, right? Yes, she was Tank Girl. She was also in a weird cop drama, but yeah, yeah, that that's the main thing that I knew her from. But boy, you know, Orange is the New Black and this, mm-hmm. like, okay, she's having a bit of a renaissance, and I like that. I like that she's coming back. Gosh, I'm trying to remember all the characters' names, but the the Irishman. Mm-hmm. I remember someone once was like, "Oh, that's you," <laughs> just like the shitty Irish guy who's just a curt asshole, no bullshit. <laughs> well, I mean. But uh, I, I thought I thought it was interesting how the stuff that was going at the airport is so much like uh, the past. Yeah. And surviving through the past. Right. Whereas everything that's happening outside, particularly with like Kirsten and her troop, is about the future and building forward. And, you know, at the uh, big spoilers here, but at the end when the, the museum goes up in flames, that is letting go. That is allowing yeah. everyone there to finally move forward. But Completely. at the same time, it's also the burning of the Library of Alexandria in a way mm-hmm. where it's like, this is the accumulated detritus of our history. And, but at the same time, we are now free to be our own people. We're no longer bound by this thing. Yeah, so it definitely has those push-pull all the time throughout the show, like past, present. We want to we want to preserve it, but we also want to be our own. Yeah. That, 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 I think, is the strength of it because it keeps vacillating between, like, which do we want? Even the characters, moment to moment, don't really know what they yeah. want, and I think that's a strength to it because it puts you in that mindset. I think that's a that's one of the things that I really identified with while I was going through it. I still haven't finished it. Thank you for the spoiler, but <laughs> sorry, I thought you would finish it by now. No, I, again, it, it's it, been out for the better part of a year. I my know friend. it's one of those things where I get distracted by five fucking seasons of Handmaid's Tale, and I gotta <laughs> gotta come back to it. But no, I I definitely felt that as I was watching it. So yeah, uh, Station Eleven, mm-hmm. uh, I think probably my favorite TV thing of the year. The next thing I want to talk about, I think is probably the biggest tragedy because mm. it was not renewed, which is, oh, you, I can see Paper Girls. Yeah. If there was, we're going to, they, they canceled Paper Girls and uh, fucking Stranger Things is going to go on. Right. Until those kids are all fucking have like type two diabetes in their thirties and they're still playing nineteen year olds or some shit. Yeah. I thought Paper Girls was entertaining. It was fun. Brian K. Vaughn, I think, is oh. a, a mastermind. Yeah. Uh just a an amazing uh auteur, yeah. as it were. Yeah. And as someone who is reading through the comics right now, yeah. the comics take some very big detours compared to the show. Yeah, they definitely streamlined for the show. It goes it goes some different directions, but I, I was impressed how they were able to, yes, yeah, streamline it, but keep a lot of the same beats and have them, I think, even in some respects, be more meaningful or have a bigger impact. Sure. I think there's certain things that the comic does that would not make necessarily great TV in the format that they're trying to work through and vice versa. Right. But the TV show, I think, had so many things going for it. The cast, oh yeah, it is is amazing. Even Jason Mazukas, yeah, <laughs> as as the father, is the yeah. god, is he the father or the godfather? Forget the character, I, the all father, yeah, something like that. I, I, I don't recall. Um, if there was ever a show that deserved to be seen through, uh, is that, and I'm kind of bummed that it's not. And um, having read like i think probably the first third i'm about a third through the series like wow they really got the fucking right kids oh like the 
the girl that got to play Mackenzie is like, oh, yeah, dead on. Not only that, but just like such a strong actor in their own right. Sure. Just these these are not simple children. These are not one dimensional. These are they make the kids from Stranger Things look like fucking puppets. (laughs) They're complex characters with their own motivations and have these like real, real moments. Yeah. Like I, re- I remember very vividly that that specific moment where you know one of the characters is is getting her period and then decide like they're going to shoplift tampons. Right. It could have been a tossed off one note joke in any other show, but the the way that the way that they approached it was so full of like heart and and tenderness that it like oh, this isn't just a joke. This is it's funny. It's but funny, it's also <laughs> but there's there's uh I mean it's it's definitely played to a little humor sure but it also makes you think like how awful it would be to realize you're having your first period yeah while going through this weird time fuck saga <laughs> and being chased by dinosaur people that speak a weird <laughs> patois of English and and also just like you're so confused by everything and then you've got all this other stuff going on yeah so. You're right. It, it it really is a shame. I had so much fun with it, and I was looking. I I I'm you know I am not a TV evangelist, but I felt like that was a TV series. I was like telling everyone like you should fucking watch this. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just I'm really I'm sorry everyone else who liked Paper Girls. I just apparently my a thousand followers on Twitter just couldn't <laughs> wasn't enough. Just yeah. couldn't spread the word. I really enjoyed it, and gosh, there's not going to be another season. Oh, it just, that's, such it's, a, oh, that's such a bummer. What did you like, Jason? Now that my, I'm losing my voice because <laughs> I've been sucking dick so much. Yeah, my my last thing uh, as far as TV goes was, of course, the rehearsal. Bold, powerful experiment in exactly what it means to be your own person. Nathan Fielder reaching his ultimate form, just a strange hour of television every week and boy you were on tinder hooks every time it came on because what a what a concept what a interesting show because halfway through you're like oh he realizes he's made a terrible mistake <laughs> <clears throat> but the character of nathan fielder will never admit this and so you are left on the sidelines as he's trying to navigate the terrible mistake that he's made but also you start to feel bad for both him and everyone involved. <laughs> and it's this odd roller coaster of emotions. It's such a bold experiment in television. So for those of you who don't know, the, the rehearsal is a show about a guy named Nathan Fielder, played by Nathan Fielder. I I do think that the Nathan Fielder in that show is a character. I think he's doing a bit. I, I, I cannot prescribe to this idea that he's being truthful. <laughs> You work with computers. Well, part of it is also that I'm a big Andy Kaufman guy. Okay. So I, I, I automatically suspect that everyone is presenting that false Kaufman front like he did with the Jerry Lawler stuff. Sure. But so so it does feel like the the extension of the Andy Kaufman, Jerry Lawler bit. The character Nathan Fielder decides to help these people through difficult times in their life by doing rehearsals of it. But then by the midpoint, like you said, it takes a turn and I don't want to give away too much, but the long and short of it is that he starts to kind of believe his own lies and it starts to spiral in and on itself in a recursive loop. But then he finds clever ways to kind of break out of it and go, well, actually this week we're going to do this. 
it's clever, it's weird, it's funny, it's got this energy that you don't see a lot unless you're watching something that like Tim Heidecker made. Mm-hmm. That's the only guy that I can really think of that has this same kind of ability to create an artifice and then sell that artifice so hard that you're not really sure what's real. <laughs> I think by like the last two or three episodes, I was like, I really don't know what I'm watching. Yeah, and I think that's a strength of it, though. It's like a Satoshi Kone movie where you're not sure what you're watching. <laughs> like you're not really ever sure. You're left on this kind of awkward footing. Do these people know? Are they in on the joke? What is the, you know, how... how, how 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 much of this is why real? is he letting it go this far yes. why is he why yes. can't he just let this go because it, it's, it's causing damage it's not causing just damage to like what the what he's trying to do is through this tv show no. it's causing damage to like the people that are participating and it and comes to himself with, in a way like, yeah, yeah and he he i think he realizes the limit of what you can do ethically but too late but too late. <laughs> yeah, so like that last episode is a real fucking kick in the fucking pants. Yeah, and I, I I don't see that getting picked up again. I just where do you go? What do you do after you don't? No. And then and that's to me It's not the Eric Andre show where you can probably squeeze <laughs> another reset, season. Yeah, and, and, and just pretend Hannibal Burris like was never on your show. <laughs> so I heard y'all motherfuckers stacking rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Morpheus, Orbeus, Morpheus. God. The Seth Rogen episode of Eric Andre show is one of my favorite things. Just y'all rotating like ballers. See them with jealousy. Am I? It's just, it's one of the tightest things ever put on television. Yeah. Uh, is, that, is that your girlfriend? <laughs> is your wife no uh, some chick I met watching the color purple with Denzel Washington Eric Andre going not this shit again <laughs> <laughs> alright well uh, I think we've uh, we gone really, long enough yeah god I'm really glad we didn't talk about books because I didn't read books this year well I read a couple but we'll talk about that in a future episode so We've gone on uh, long and strong I, w- I want to let people know where they can find you to disagree with your takes on movies. Oh, if you want to disagree with me, you can gang stalk <laughs> me on Twitter and Instagram at ishotgidbord. That's I-S-H-O-T-G-Y-D-B-O-R-D. But if you want to tell me my photos are bad and I got a stinky <laughs> butt, my uh, portfolio can be viewed at assholemusicphotographer.com. If Photo Shelter ever fucking responds to my fucking emails... I would have my fucking faux website up now, which is a musicphotographer.com. But apparently uh, they just like taking my money and not responding to my emails. That's really sick. I've been using you guys for like 13 years now. Bastards. Bastards. Rat bastards. How's that? How's life treating you? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is life, does life suck? Cause it should. I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to you. I'm coming <laughs> to you. I'm coming to your house. Faux shelter. <laughs> I live in your walls, photo shelter. What are you gonna do now? <laughs> I'm the only one here on the dock. I got, I got, 
I got two. I got two tons of sod from Siam Photo right. Shelter. That's right. I need you to sign for this. I'm the only one here. Cod. So as far as myself, you can find me on Twitter at Video Crime V I D E O C R I M E. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at at Laser Goose CEO. I believe we are also on Mastodon at Video Crime at Retro Pizza. I don't post there nearly as much as I should. I believe I'm also on Hive and co-host also as Video Crime, but I don't really post there either. I'm ride or die with Twitter till I die. And then you can shoot the show a message, text or voicemail, 314-AHOY-POO. That's 314-246-9766. 314-246-9766. And let's see here, four, eight minutes of dogs barking at gmail.com for the email there. You can also hit us patreon.com slash four, eight minutes of dogs. <laughs> you were fucking me up, dude. You are throwing me off my game. That's like hearing yourself in the headphones like a millisecond delay. You're like, blah, 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 blah. we've been at this too long. All right, so. It's too long. Yeah. Um, we're gonna leave you with some music today. Seriously, I'm gonna fucking kill you. I love you, but no. We're gonna leave you with a little bit of music, as we always do. Songs from one of my favorite records of the year, Signals Midwest, from the album Dent. This is the song called "Settled in My Skin," and as we always say at this time, Namaste and good luck. Bye bye. Bye bye.